This episode of the Cult Pop Show podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post credit scene at the end of each episode, or join us for our monthly movie club Zoom call where we discuss a film together, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash cultpopshow. It is raining. It's apparently we're going to get 44 hours of rain in Christchurch. Oh my gosh. Uh, Over this next two days. Yeah, at at work today I heard people talking about um, uh, it's like the most severe uh, weather storm warnings we've had in XYZ amount of time. And I I was too busy uh, writing up the plan for this episode too and watching (laughs) a live stream you did. Uh, to pay yeah. attention to that so well that's true that's a good thing to bring up actually um as i did a live stream of how to edit a podcast that you can see on the cold pop show youtube page it's about an hour and a half long probably don't need to watch it past the 30 minute mark <laughs> <laughs> um but it is there if you want to check out how the process is done uh but yeah the the rain will you will possibly be able to hear the rain because i live in an attic mm. but i think if you watch the how to edit a podcast video you'll see the denoiser that i put on the audio i think the rain is the same like frequency as white noise right. so it can t- take it out mm. um and or it has done in the past anyway but hey Guess who's washing is out on the line? This guy. Oh, you. I wouldn't have guessed that. And has been out there for a couple of days because things do not dry in the winter. It's it's wet clothes season. Mm. I I drop my washing off at a at, um this this lovely little woman who uh, cleans, dries, and folds it for me. She sounds like something from a fairy tale, like some kind of. Mm, I leave <laughs> it on my doorstep, <laughs> and then she, and and and, uh, and when I come back in the morning, it's it's washed, dried, and folded. But yeah, no, it's it's like thirty two dollars, I think. So, and I do that every two weeks. Yeah, yeah, thirty two. Then maybe it's worth doing something like that. It is a hundred percent is. Because yeah. also the thing is that it's like you, you drop it off on like a Saturday morning, pick it up Saturday evening, and or you know whatever uh like i can even work it around my work hours sometimes drop it off on my way to work pick it up on my way home and Mm. yeah yeah well as someone who doesn't leave the house very often and can't drive that might be a bit harder for me Mm. well what is this aj what are we doing this is uh called preamble it's 90 minutes of preamble no this is uh film franchise fortnights on the cult popsha podcast this is a little podcast we've been doing since june of 2016 where every two weeks since june of 2016 that's not entirely true but i'm not going to explain why it's not entirely true uh we have why is it not entirely true well because we've had small breaks Ah. so it's technically it's not every two weeks and also there was a podcast last week yeah yeah we yeah okay so every two weeks we watch and discuss a film franchise either selected at random or voted on by our patrons and this is part two of last week's fortnight episode so it's a it's a two week long fortnight no a one week long fortnight i guess Mm. would be the correct way to put that uh where last week voted on by our patrons we did the the original films in the planet of the apes series plus the uh tim burton uh garbage dump that is a remake and this week we are because it felt right to do them separately we're doing the 
Planet of the Apes reboot series. Yeah, so we, we're going to be calling them the reboot series. You might have heard them, uh, the prequel trilogy, trilogy, because of when they take mm-hmm. place in the chronology. And yeah, and then as we discovered last week, they're kind of also remakes of the latter two films in the original yeah. uh, pentology. Yeah, and in a sense, it's, it's more like these are prequels to a remake of the original film that hasn't been made. Yeah. That's what it's like, because there, there's no one out there who thinks that that Rise of the Planet of the Apes is a prequel to the Charlton Heston Planet of the Apes movie. They're so stylistically different. It's clear that it's like... Yeah, I mean, there, there might be people that think that's that. That's a good point, but I The public is pretty them. stupid. <laughs> uh, so essentially, yeah, the, 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 way to, the reason we call these the reboot trilogy or the reboot series is because they're not really prequels, especially because stuff gets changed. The timeline gets shrunk down a bit, I think as well, if we're to believe characters who share names of other characters in the originals are supposed Mm. to be the same people and things like that. So it's, it's, it's a, it's taking what we know of the planet of the apes series, or even just the original movie and going, what happened before that? But then also not pertaining to specific. How did we end up here? Yeah. yeah, so this this was kicked off uh, with Rise of the Planet of the Apes in 2011, directed by Rupert Wyatt. Then we had Dawn of the Planet of the Apes three years later, and then War for the Planet of the Apes three years later again. Both of those uh, second two were directed by Matt Reeves. And yeah, I mean, it, it's I like having these fun trilogies or series when it's like an, an even amount of time between each film it makes it feel very pure i think and that's like you were talking about it it's so nice to keep the the reboot trilogy mm. as its own episode because it's so nicely self-contained and in a podcast about franchises where we talk so often about what's the best franchise and we've ranked them and we're gonna re-rank them and all that like this is kind of quite an important one in modern discourse of Mm. film franchises i think because it's quite highly regarded and does a lot of things that you don't really see very often in this in this sphere quick question though does it bother you that uh and i'm not talking about the quality of the films but is there like a little uh worm in your brain the fact that the second two are directed by one person and it's not a different director or the same director for all three um i don't know like the, the stylistically across them all they are actually incredibly consistent for swapping directors and yeah it, it really feels like matt reeves did justice to what rupert wyatt started you know and well, so i'd say he he built on and perfected what yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah I mean, like, like that's a good way of putting it and that's not like to shit on a shit on rupert wyatt or anything like that it's what just else like he done rupert uh rupert wyatt. wyatt did um the escapist okay. then rise of the planet of the apps was the second film right okay and then he did the All gambler right. captive state and he's working on storm king and slipping into darkness Never heard of any of those movies except for Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Oh, yeah. But it's weird. Like, I, I feel like I'd heard of Rupert Wyatt, but I guess just through this. But, Same. Um, yeah. But yeah, Matt Reeves obviously is doing a Batman film. And he did Cloverfield as well. Yeah. Not J.J. Abrams. It was Matt, Matt Reeves. <laughs> uh, so, the yeah. So, I think... I, it doesn't annoy me, but it is... I think that the two... The second two have more of a clear 
like they feel very distinct from the first one i think mm, sure. and that's not necessarily because of the director it's more because of when they take place um but it is weird you don't often see it where it's this way usually in trilogies it's like someone stayed for the first two and then fucked off for the third but here you mm. go here's the there's the, the yeah and i think maybe maybe i i don't mind it because of that because it feels like Rupert Wyatt was like, I'm just going to make a, 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 what I think is a good film. And then yeah. Matt Reeves comes in and goes, well, I know how to turn this into a perfect trilogy. Yeah. And w- whereas like someone doing, this is two good films. And then someone says, oh, I'm going to wrap it all up in one yeah, that yeah. wasn't involved. I feel like that's more of an offense than the, than this way around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're either a, a Planet of the Apes reboot trilogy, a Star Wars sequel trilogy, or uh, what's a someone directed the first Iron two. Man. Or an Iron Man trilogy. There you go. Where it's, yeah, yeah, great, great, great example. Where it's um two directors involved in three films and each, you know, it's different ratios mm. each yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's a good point. So what is uh, Rise of the Planet of the Apes about? Okay, so it is presumably set in 2011 it is. it's set in present day which yep, was at uh, the time 2011 10 years yep. after 9-11 oh very true and 10 years um, before today nice uh and so it is about uh james franco whose character name i never picked up will rodman <laughs> really i had no idea that was his name mm. will rodman crazy for a, for a character who I would have thought I'd recognize his name. Oh, it's a double check. I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, Will Robin. It just never, I feel like it never comes up. Uh, he, I just said, oh, there, on the top of my head, that's not in my notes. Well, there you go. Maybe you just paid more attention than I did. Mm. Uh, so, so Will Rodman is a scientist and they're working on a cure for Alzheimer's by using apes as like test patients. Uh, and they, they have a breakthrough with one of the female apes that they capture from the jungle, um, where she is showing cognitive improvement. She's getting smarter. Um, and they call her bright eyes, which is a cute little reference to what they call Charlton Heston. And she's called Bright Eyes because the only side effect at the time that's known of the ALZ-112, which is the drug they they give uh, the, the monkeys, the, the, the apes, is uh, the little flecks of green noticeable mm. in, their, in the irises of their eyes. And that's kind of like one of those, it, it's very subtle, but it becomes like one of the defining things of the yeah, smarter yeah. apes yeah um very very tasteful fan service in this series as well compared to something like the hobbit trilogy fuck yeah you know but one of, one of the best ex- we'll get to it oh sure one of the best examples of fan service i've ever seen in a film was in this film sick uh so uh but one day it all goes wrong when bright eyes goes crazy goes ape shit uh nice. and they have to they have to kill her or she gets killed rather by like security. Uh, and it turns out she was going crazy because she'd secretly been pregnant and gave birth to a little baby chimp. Women. And the <laughs> <laughs> And they don't wanna they don't wanna put it down, so Will takes this little chimp under his wing. Um he get, he takes him home to his father who has Alzheimer's, played by John Lithgow, and they care for this chimp. They name him Caesar, and as he gets older um he's 
you know his intelligence is advancing you triple that of a human child basically yeah. um like he's he's learning very very fast uh he gives the the same experimental medication to his father and all of a sudden his father's alzheimer's are cured um and the film itself is over the course of five years well there's a five-year jump where yeah. it comes back and caesar is an adolescent ape now uh but he still like has the wild animal instincts and after lashing out he's put in a in a sanctuary where he gets um where he not only gets mistreated by the humans but he gets uh he develops a kinship with the other apes mm. and eventually leads an ape uprising all the while an ape rising, a, the, an ape rising very good uh, all, all the while uh the the same lab have accidentally created a flu like an incredibly deadly virus and the end of the film is the flu spreading to the rest of the world it's called the simian flu um and meanwhile the apes lead an uprising and escape and escape they ape escape and uh they are there's a big confrontation on the golden gate bridge in Mm. san francisco uh and it ends with will and caesar saying goodbye as caesar embraces his inner ape and flees into the forests with his chimpanzee and gorilla and orangutan and uh, bonobos oh first time we said yeah i um the cobra's a bonobo Ah, or bonobo right. i don't know i've never actually bonobo heard i think it's bonobo said. yeah yeah it would be those uh, no no proboscis what are the ones with the big noses called <laughs> <laughs> yeah Pro- are they, they're Pro- monkeys Probos- though, are they are they? Mm. they look like chimps what the fuck do i know i've been interchanging chimp and monkey my whole life until the Probos- yeah proboscis monkey right uh, so <laughs> big, yeah big nose. <laughs> they, they look like a poorly drawn cartoon they look like someone <laughs> yeah. who didn't know how to draw a monkey uh so yeah that's have i missed anything that's where the f- first film ends yeah first um, film ends yeah, yeah 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 uh so uh what did you think of this film and what do you think it has on Rotten tomatoes okay so first of all i hadn't really seen it i'd seen what i assume is the most iconic scene from it i think i'd been in the room when it was on and caught like bits of it caught my attention yeah but the main thing i remember was a scene i'm sure we'll talk about um and so i'd never really seen it before and i until the second one came out I was of the uh, belief that this didn't fare too well with critics. Mm. I don't know why I thought that because I thought it was cool. I thought it, I thought um, it's it's really really good. The only things I can fault it on is I think the casting is real weird, and it's Jazz weird Franco. to see. Yeah, it's weird to see a great movie and you sit back and go the casting's weird like it's not often that that's mm. what i'm picking on in a movie it's the casting you know do you want to elaborate on that i think james franco uh you know present infam- the current information known about him excluded is not a good enough actor or not the type of actor i want to see in this role i think he's, he's, he's a good actor he's a good actor and an even better person <laughs> <laughs> but i don't think he's particularly amazing in this well he was, um, he was coming and- off an oscar nomination for um 127 hours in 2010 and this and so this this was like peak franco kind of thing and so it was like yeah this was it's 2011 you're doing a blockbuster hottest name in hollywood you want to lock Mm. him down in your film kind of thing and this is this is one of those films that i had seen it before i missed it in the cinema and and a friend bought it for me on on dvd for 
for Christmas. That was a nice thing for a friend to do. I don't remember the last time I bought someone a Christmas present who wasn't related to me. <laughs> no, well, we we did like a little a little friend ah, exchange right, with of a few of us. Yeah. And yeah, we sat down and watched it. And I thought, well, oh, fuck, this is amazing, you know? Mm. And I, I'm gutted I missed it in the cinema uh, because of some moments we'll talk about in a second. But like it's it's funny that kind of everyone i know's experience with these with this trilogy is oh they're so good and like yeah do you see them in the cinema no nah, and nah, i saw them like ages after i haven't seen the third one yet yeah yeah i mean we talked about this last week my yeah my but like literally every single person i've spoken to has said some yeah, variation of that my experiences didn't see the first one properly uh went to the second one because someone was paying for my ticket loved it never saw the third one until yeah. now uh, so yeah, everyone has has like weird experiences with this film. Mm. Um, I'll tell you who I think is similar in a similar boat in 2011 to James Franco, who wouldn't have done it, but would have been a better choice than James Franco. I think uh, Robert Downey Jr. should have played the main character in this movie. Mm. Yeah, I get where you're coming from. I think I think he suits being a little bit younger though. The character. Interesting. That's what I. That's why I went older. Because oh, like, interesting. I okay, know. let's look at James Franco age, and then we'll mm-hmm. look at. So he's forty three. So let's go forty three year old actors. Wait, was he forty? Oh, he's forty three now. Yeah. So it'd be the, the, these actors due to the linear time. Um, yes. You know, one one year equals yeah, one year. It'll be the same. Yeah. yeah they will be. They will, Thank you. you. Take Thank them back you. ten I get, years. I get, I get it. I get it. <laughs> uh, Keenan Thompson. Mm-mm. <laughs> uh, you got Tom Hardy. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. I don't know. I think. I think. I think. Try as hard as he did, I could never. Jason Biggs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, try as hard as he could, I could never detach James Franco from. Uh, either the frat boy or Green Goblin. <laughs> like I like in the in the roles that I enjoy him in, it's because he's being silly, with the exception of 127 hours, but he's still kind of like a frat kind of guy in that. Yeah, yeah, know? like this thing is he's like a bit of a douche bro that got stuck. So there. a douche bro put a, he can play a really good douche, mm, you know? Yeah. But it's I don't know if I could take him seriously as a scientist, and I think it was a small it's for such an important role, it feels crazy to have James Franco play that role. Um, actually, do you know um, who was looked at? Was uh, Tobey Maguire. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. All right. <laughs> no, seriously, though. Like, that's that's all right. Yeah. I think you'd have to down... Like, ja- the thing with James Franco is he's, like, hot, right? Whereas mm. Tobey Maguire isn't really. Yeah. Do you know who would so- be a good one, actually, who is around the right age? Who? Lee Pace. Oh, yes. Lee, Lee Pace channeling the energy he has in Pushing Daisies, not Halt and Catch Fire or The Hobbit. Like, like a very soft-spoken, caring person, I think, could have been. Great. Yeah, not not the, not the same kind of, like, crooky kind of thing, but that kind of your lovable energy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lee Pace would have been great, man. Mm. That's a good call. I mean, you do have a list of <laughs> applicable actors in front of you. <laughs> oh, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of stuff to sift through. Yeah, yeah, you're, like, you're I'm not like, gonna, I'm you don't not know su- how much work I'm doing. I'm not going to suggest not- Benjamin McKenzie. <laughs> Wait, he'd be all right. Ben McKenzie. <laughs> Topher Grace. He'd- These are all... Ah, uh, Topher Grace is maybe in the yeah. same. Bill Hader. Ashton, Ashton Kutcher. Ashton Kutcher's the same a- age. 
I, I, but Franco. Ashton Kutcher isn't a good alternative to James Franco. He's not a better. He's an equivalent. That's that's what I'm saying. Like right, right. I see them as operating the same space of how good of an actor they mm. can be in my mind. Well, anyway, I think we can all agree it should have been Lee Pace. <laughs> yeah, I think we all can. Let's get back on track. <laughs> okay, so um, yeah, but but one one interesting thing about this film. Sorry, is Rotten that, Tomatoes. We didn't. What is the score? Uh, Ron, uh, what would you guess it is? Uh, 80 82 you've been yeah. pretty good on your hate for movies right? I'm, I'm but it's it's not guessing it's learning yeah it's, yeah, yeah. it's understanding the language of Ron Tomatoes yeah it's it's like uh, you're like Caesar yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm the Caesar of Rotten Tomatoes yeah, yeah. and when I say the Caesar of something I specifically mean the Caesar the monkey <laughs> Planet of the Apes not yeah. Caesar from history yeah <laughs> not uh, Julius Caesar yeah so one interesting thing about this franchise as well although I was kind of talking about our experiences with it is that this is one I so distinctly remember following the production of i remember the first image that was released of james franco in rise of the apes because that's what it was called at the time mm-hmm. i remember them announcing a film called caesar which was mm-hmm. what you know they're making a new play of the movie. it's called caesar and then they said oh you know people might, people might not just know the name caesar and so they called it caesar rise of the apes and then they changed it to rise of the apes and then i remember the article that came out said it's been retailed to rise of the planet of the apes and it being like uh it's maybe a bit wordy but it kind of fits better with the other ones i guess it's i, th- I think it's i think the the series in general is crippled by its need to be brand recognizable or at least mm. the titles are like yeah. That's that's why you've 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 shoved Planet into the uh, Planet of the Apes in a massive title already. Yeah. <laughs> My friend Adam once, re- or our friend Adam once, referred to um, these movies as the only movie titles he could think of that had a rhythm. Yeah, yeah. And it's Rise of the Planet of the Apes. But yeah, it's funny that it's it's one of those ones that I remember following every update nice. and that I just didn't yeah, watch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's like me with uh Sin City 2. Oh yeah. Never never seen it. It's train spotting too. It was on your yeah, fucking yeah, most absolutely. anticipated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, never saw it. <laughs> yeah, so the kind of uh the inception of this film, it, you know, it's one of those things that there was talk of a a sequel to Tim Burton's one for a while, but then it didn't do so mm-hmm. well. Tim Burton didn't want to do it. So it was screenwriter Rick Jaffer who was um, was searching through newspaper articles and came across one about pet chimpanzees that become troublesome to their owners uh, and and can't adapt to the the human kind of environment. And he was like, actually, fuck, that's a pretty good idea for a Planet of the Apes movie. So he called his... <laughs> he called his wife and screenwriting partner Amanda Silver um and then mm-hmm. kind of they went back and forth on the idea and came up with the character of Caesar and how he would kind of what he would exist today you know like how what's a realistic way that this could kind of happen and uh on the whole like reboot prequel whatever he said uh that it's a a reinvention and he said if he had to pick between calling it a prequel or a reboot he would say it's a reboot it's a different story of quoting him it's a different story of who caesar is and how he came to be so it's really kind of hard to put a label on it we are hopefully rebooting it he went on to say that we really tried hard to create a story that would stand on its own and yet pay homage and honor the movies that came before us if you're wondering about rick jaffa and amanda silver um they're an interesting screenwriting duo so they wrote rise and dawn of the planet of the apes but they also wrote jurassic world and mulan and avatar 3 so it's like 
Oh, so you you fluked? <laughs> no, no, no. But we who did we talk to? Was it um, Chris White's or someone talked to us? And it it soon became clear that like screenwriting is not as cut and dry oh, yeah. as directing. Yeah. It's like there are good directors and bad directors, and there are screenwriters that take jobs, and sometimes those jobs bear fruit yeah. that is good. And, and sometimes those jobs are the nutty professor too. Yeah, yeah, and like because uh, Chris Terrio wrote Rise of Skywalker and and uh, uh, Argo, Jurassic, uh, yeah, and he wrote Argo as well, and but he also wrote Batman v Superman, right? So it's mm. like. These are dramatically different received films. Yeah, you know? well, it's, it's, it's that whole it's, thing of uh, of that the writer's medium versus the director's medium is that sure the, the, the you can be as you you can make a bad movie out of a good script, but not the other way around. Right there, you go. Yeah, you can't make a good script out of a bad movie. Right. Yeah, okay. you, you you can't make a good movie out <laughs> of a bad script. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, because yeah. because yeah, the, the script can get, go through so much as it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if it's just rotten to the core, then yeah. yeah. So a uh, few main things that I want to talk about. One is obviously the technical achievement of these films. It gets better as it goes oh, on, yeah. but this was kind yeah, of a yeah. landmark thing, and it was one of the first films to use like on location motion capture. Yeah, and and so like the the whole thing on the Golden Gate Bridge. It's like rather than because you look at something like. Uh, Lord of the Rings, which was the first film to kind of use that technology with interacting with other actors. So mm. like just pasting over someone, but to do that on like on location where you're not in control of everything. So those little dots they cover on everyone's face, you know, if mm-hmm. you lose those, you can't, you can't do the performance. Uh, you, yeah. you can't, you can't make the film. So that, that was kind of new technologies developed and whatnot to make sure that those are being seen and they can, do the playback on set where they get the make sure that everything works together. Mm. Mm. Nice. Well, yeah, because it's worth we haven't mentioned this yet either. But Andy Circus, of course, plays yeah. Caesar, and he also obviously played Gollum in Lord of the Rings and sort of spearheaded and mm. pioneered motion capture performances. Uh, and it's I w- watching this series, all I could think of was Andy Circus. I was like, what a what a I wonder how Andy Circus feels that like he has he's got two very different but very iconic performances both done through mm. a medium which means you can't really tell it's him <laughs> well yeah and this is the whole thing with andy circus as well is that and we've spoken about this on on other podcasts but the the whole argument about like should andy circus have been nominated because the, the, the fox ran an oscar campaign for andy circus for rise of the planet of the apes and ultimately mm. didn't result in a nomination no performance captured performance has been nominated for an oscar yeah. or any kind of like vocal only performance but so he uh Andy Circus kind of he 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 describes the performance capture thing as just like digital makeup. You know, that's like this right. is my performance, I'm doing everything and they just paint over me. And I think that like it's kind of doing a, a discredit to the work that like Weta Weta, Weta Studios in New Zealand did, did these films that that the effects that they do like really adds to the verisimilitude of the of the apes like you you, you know the reason you believe the, the performer- verisimilitude yes what does that mean it's like the appearance of being 
true or real. The amount of times I've used a $5 word on this podcast and you've stopped the show <laughs> and said, wow, your word of the day calendar, which I don't have, by the way, <laughs> is really is really getting its money's worth. <laughs> Why did you say that word? Why did you say that word? <laughs> it's a good Wait, word. what does it mean again? Verisimilitude. It it's, the, it's the appearance of being true or real. So Jesus the, Christ, all right. <laughs> the... <laughs> the uh yeah the the work of Weta workshop in combination with andy circus's performance created the, the the verisimilitude of the apps okay continue <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah yeah like what, what do you because we've, we've had this argument before on pod but yeah i mean i think it's one of those things that's like d- don't get me wrong andy circus does incredible work in these films and so does uh like toby kebble who plays cobra um i think yeah, only yeah. in the second one or second and third one but he's, I, I don't think it's him in this one um right but it's like they, they and and steve zahn on the third one as well that they, they they do all the this incredible work but it's like the reason we buy into these characters so much is the combination of the two i think i mm. like honestly andy he should have been nominated for an oscar for for Gollum. i like yeah, i, I yeah. think that's, that's an incredible performance but he um yeah i, I think that he sh- he probably deserves one of those like special achievement Oscars that we talked about yeah, last yeah. week, where it's like for all the incredible performances you've done, it's one of those things that's like, yeah, it's a it's a token gesture, but it, it, it's it's he he deserves it, and it like would, it would be a nice way for the Academy to be like, hey, you kind of don't fit into our you know very neat little boxes we've already created, but what you've done is undeniable. Yeah. But at the same time as well, it's like what Lord of the Rings did for mocap is uh, now one of the biggest, probably biggest industries in entertainment, like video games, like AAA video games almost exclusively use mocap mm. now, you know, and it's like, do, do does Andy Circus need a special Oscar or should he, uh, should his work have created a new category by now? best mocap performance you know yeah but there's not enough every year to to do that though yeah yeah maybe like if there was an award for like best verisimilitude (laughs) (laughs) well all all the acting awards are for verisimilitude okay (laughs) when you think about it of course but (laughs) uh yeah when uh, yeah, like, like I, I don't know how you would word it, but like, essentially, an award for best performance that's not like just you on screen. So that would include mocap, voiceover, whatever. Hmm. And you could just do best mocap or voiceover performance, <laughs> right? Yeah, or be, like even best, best animation, um, best animated performance. But I think yeah, because and you know that could be Gollum one year, it could be Jeremy Irons as Scar the next year, it could be. Uh, I mean, obviously the way time works, those yeah. they wouldn't be following years. I I didn't realize we were time traveling, and my my brain was like, yeah, Jeremy Irons as we did the like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you know, and, and then it could also go to the likes of uh Scarlett Johansson and, and her so you like there's different kind of versions of this performance uh, of, of the style of performance best non-screen performance instead Ooh. of on-screen performance <laughs> uh, so the, the scene we've kind of teased a couple of times that we want to talk about what I want to talk about is when uh the the kind of the the really the inciting incident of the ape uprising where uh Draco Malfoy 
applying himself. <laughs> doing doing a pretty bad American accent too. Like, well, it, it's it's not bad so much as I don't know if he's trying to do one. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's so, so Tom Felton's in this film, and this was yeah one of his first like. Po- no, that, it would, this, would, have, would have been post Harry Potter, actually, would it? This, this is what this is. Um, where this film suffers is its its placement in film history. Where coming off the back of 127 hours, you bizarrely cast James Franco as your lead, and coming off the back of the Harry Potter movies, you go, "Well, we need an actor who you recognise and you'll immediately hate." Uh, Tom Felton's probably got a career ahead of him. Let's mm. get in early, and then he did this, and then did cons and that's all he's done well, and, and, he's, and he's a get him to the Greek it's not even the first Tom Felton um, oh. franchise we've done this year <laughs> okay <laughs> get him to the Greek it's really yeah no, the, the right. cameo replays himself and makes one alright <laughs> let, let's, let's I'm gonna google 33 year old actors that's the age Tom Felton is and well, using 10 years younger the than James Franco of, um, you know um, so let's see we could add Zach Efron no too, he's, too, <laughs> he's too expensive Right, you can't, it can't be a leading man. Mm. What uh, about um uh oh, what's his fucking name? The Beast from the X Men prequels and oh about yes, 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 Nicholas Holt, Tony, Nicholas Holt, yeah, Nicholas Holt. He would have been good in this role, and he uh, can do yeah. a better American accent. Yeah. Although was he too big at the time? Hmm. I like how much time we're spending on this conversation, uh, well, and it's we've gone through two other <laughs> conversations in background to cast. Uh, yeah. Let's do it for each film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and when you search thirty-three-year-old actors, this, the top two results are Zac Efron or Tom Felton. So I'm, I'm going to just check thirty-four, Tom- like just in case. Um, no, absolutely not. No, <laughs> Michael B. Jordan. Uh, no, again, he's too important. He's too lead. Oh, actually, another one that now I'm reminded of um, that was looked at for the role, um, Shia LaBeouf. For James Franco's character? Uh, I think for um, Tom Felton's character. Tom Felton's character has like four lines. You're not, you're not. Shia LaBeouf would be good though. Yeah, he would, but you're not cracking out Shia LaBeouf money for <laughs> for that role. Drake and or Josh? Yes. It, yeah. it, it's played by both of them? Yeah, it's like how Key and Peele are in Fargo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not, there's no point to it other than you know it's Key and Peele. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, yeah. The, um, okay, <laughs> I've completely forgot what I was talking about. The so scene, the scene. The scene. Yeah, where uh, so he. This is the bit of fan service we, we mentioned. So so he he's been kind of uh, taunting them and and pro um you know teasing them, singing off key the whole time, and <laughs> and eventually it becomes and so Caesar lures him out into this the middle of the sanctuary and they have a little they have a little face off. Uh, Tom Felton's got this little uh, lecture. His name's Dodge. Dodge has this uh, like electric baton that he keeps hitting Caesar with, and Caesar grabs his arm and he goes. Get your stinking paw off me, you damn dirty ape! And you know, obviously, the line from the original film, the, the that, that famous line, and then Caesar stands up and goes, "No!" And it's like this incredible <laughs> it's moment. It is. It's an incredible moment of filmmaking. Like it is. It's it it, it stands out in the whole series because of like. I th- and we talked about this last week that something if if the Planet of the Apes as a whole suffers from one overarching problem, it's uh, humans' ability to take 
apes uh, seriously. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and I and this is a this is a scene that almost gets up on top of that to me. Yeah, fuck like yeah. if if he if if he grabbed it and he's like, get your stinking paws off me, you damn dirty ape, and he'd gone, no. I would have been like, it's a monkey. <laughs> it's yeah, a talking yeah, yeah. monkey. But he does it in a way that, a that cuts through. Yeah, yeah. It cuts through the scene and it says, take me seriously. It demands you take it seriously. It's very powerful. Yeah, it's incredible. And, and this is like, when I saw this film, I was like, I regret this so much, not seeing this in the cinema. Imagine imagine this moment in the cinema. And it, still, it gives me chills now. But like seeing, like you have... Oh, get your stinking paw. It's the line from the first one. I'm doing it. And you go, oh, okay, they had to. And it's like, oh, fuck. It, yeah. Like, it, it, this, this, and that's why I said that, like, this might be one of my favorite uses of fan service of all time. Is because it's, it's a smack on the bum of, of fan service. Yeah, kind it's of like. like got, it's got the fan service line, and then the following line is, fuck you. Yeah. Like, you know, like, stop laughing. Stop thinking you're better than me. Yeah. This is important you because know? it's also fan service in the sense that we ne- like we mentioned last week. We're now seeing the scene that mm. Cornelius described in yeah. uh, Escape, Escape from the Planet of the Apes, and and again, Caesar is a character in the second mm. two of the last series or the last two of the last series. Um, and uh, you know, it's, it's maybe worth reminding, like, just how much these the the reboot trilogy takes from sequels that mm. i thought nobody cared about or had yeah. seen you know but yeah like there is it's it's an incredible scene and, and just like to to have felt the pin drop in the in the cinema because it, it yeah it's, it's the one of the cheesiest fucking uses of like his delivery isn't that great like that natural because that's the thing about because i i knew this line from this film i'd like i'd i'd heard it obviously and it's in the simpsons as well um and then so i I was only familiar with tom felton's delivery of it then watching the original film last week it was this interesting thing of like fuck that's actually a really powerful line and delivery by charlton Mm. heston and so then yeah to 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 see that like bastardized by tom felton and then, yeah, this this complete like fuck you to it. It's it's incredible. And then at the end of the film, Caesar speaks again when James Franco is saying like, "No, come on, Caesar, you have to come home." And he pulls him right close and whispers in his ear, "Caesar is home." And oh, it gives me chills, chills, chills. Number fifteen. Sorry, that's a reference to something that not a lot of people are going to get continue move on move on i'm I'm one of them (laughs) but yeah interestingly uh, as well so the the original ending for this film had will actually die on screen and this was this was filmed and it was Mm. um you know with test audiences saw this kind of thing so it was him had the i hit him saying i am home and they will let him go and then the the soldiers come to stop the rise of the planet of the apes and try to shoot caesar and james franco jumps in front of the bullets and takes the shot and then they realize like ah it's yeah we don't we don't want it to end like that so a month before the movie came out they flew out james franco and andy circus to reshoot the ending that's in the film that's really interesting especially because of how good the the mocap still looks with only a month of work on Mm. it 
but the mm, interesting one thing I really like about this series that it, it, it displays a a restraint that not a lot of series have, and I wish I wish more franchises did this, is that in each film there is like a brand new set of human characters, and it's not always a case of they die, but they're never in the next one. Mm. And I like that. Well, that there there real, are significant time jumps and cullings of yeah. the human race in between yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i like that will isn't in the sequels and i like that um i really like jason clark's character in dawn but mm. i'm glad i don't see him again like yeah. it's it's it works you know and it's ultimately uh caesar's story um and i i do do you because mm, because you think about that like the you know you think of like say mcu for example is that like yeah. each film has a new villain and it's like you know, half of them just end up in jail by the end of it, but it's like, whatever. Um, it's the same kind of thing, because if you think of, like, Caesar, they're not even all they're not even all necessarily antagonists, but they're all, like, this new set of characters for his current adventure. Um, but yeah. it's kind of just, you, you question it a bit more, I guess, or you're more inclined to question it when the, you kind of still see the humans as the heroes a little bit, until, obviously, like, yeah, war yeah. is when it's, like, definitively, like, there's no... There's it's not it's not a matter of like gray it's it's good or bad yeah 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 um who do you blame for the simian flu is it is it james franco's fault did he create it uh well like are you asking me or are you like misremembering I, the movie i i a bit of both because <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, the way the simian flu starts is that they're putting the the it's alz 113 or ALZ, as we would say in New Zealand. Isn't that the Pixar number? <laughs> <laughs> it's A113, but you're very close. Uh, they got an LZ in there. So this is the Alzheimer's um, treatment. <laughs> so this is the one they're giving to uh, Cobra, and they're they're doing it via aerosol, and they'll have masks on, and then things end up going wrong. One of the guy's masks get knocked off, and the aerosol goes into the air, and it makes him incredibly sick. And then he goes and sneezes on the neighbor who's been this like fucking asshole throughout the whole movie and keeps just getting keeps getting his just desserts every scene he's in. The the, the funniest reoccurring character to be in a movie which didn't need a funny reoccurring character. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then and he's a pilot, and so the film ends with with him now being sick, and you know off to go do pilot things so i i wouldn't say it's like i mean it's kind of cobra's fault um or and it, it's kind of just that guy who let his mask fall off's fault mm. yeah wow do you ready for some dumb indb trivia absolutely so this isn't like i'll let you i'll let you see why this is dumb so okay. Charles Rodman, John Lithgow's character, regains his ability to play the piano after ALZ-112 treatment. This is a reference to The Simpsons, A Fish Called Selma, where Troy McClure stars in a musical adaptation of Planet of the Apes. In the song, Dr. Zayas, McClure, playing George Taylor, asks, can I play the piano anymore? Dr. Zayas answers, of course you can, to which Taylor replies, well, I couldn't before. Wow, that's so funny. I wonder, what do you, what do you think? It's, I, it's I, I don't think it is a reference to that. <laughs> it's, it's still a funny idiosyncrasy to it is, have it is, across. It is, yeah. across, I didn't even make that connection. That's so funny. <laughs> that's, that's very funny. Because we do we do see him be able to play the piano before, like struggling to play the piano beforehand. Struggling. So he couldn't before. Let's <laughs> deconstruct this. There is literally a scene in a, in a Planet of the Apes movie that came out after that Simpsons episode mm. in which a character could 
couldn't play the piano and then can after a ape enters his life. (laughs) 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 Wow. That's inspiring. If I ever, if I ever, am I, if I'm ever at the helm of like a reboot of a famous IP, I'm going to look for a parody of that and then insert a grounded realistic version Mm. of something that's in the parody into it (laughs) (laughs) Uh, also in the kind of like subtle world building in this film uh you see uh, a couple of like news headlines one mentions uh the uh, first man voyage to mars and another one Mm. is just the news head the, the headline lost in space so there's your little tease for uh planet of the apes I thought about that, and that also definitively makes this a reboot because in the original, that voyage takes place in the 60s, whereas right. this is set in 2011. Uh, if it is. Well, but, but the, the, the voyage be. takes place in present day and both kind of thing. Yeah, I know, but it's still it's still changing the timeline. Um, the I, I did wonder because they show pictures of the astronauts, and I was like, hmm. You'd think if they were going to eventually remake Planet of the Apes in this timeline, you want you want like a, a star to play George Taylor, you know? And you don't see anyone famous in that footage. You just wait. <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. Are you, do you actually have something here? No, I was gonna, no like I, I was just implying that one of them is going right. to become massively famous. Oh, I thought you were going to be like, actually, AJ, one of them is fucking... Tom Hanks. A- Tom Hanks. It's Tom Hanks. <laughs> He's gonna be the main character. Tom Hanks would be good in one of these movies, actually. Oh, yeah. Tom Hanks should have played ja- the James Franco character. Mm. Actual though, like, of course, there's an age difference, and uh, John Lithgow probably shouldn't be Tom Hanks's dad. <laughs> but, but like, he's old and wise. And but he's old. And, I don't know. I could see it. I could see it. Who's older out of Tom Hanks and John Lithgow? John Lithgow. Surely. One, he's got grey hair. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's 11 years older than Tom Hanks. Yeah. How, how, old, how old do you think John Lithgow is? Um, On a scale like of 1 60s. to 100. <laughs> it's, like, it's like guessing a Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Uh, late, late 60s. 60s. So, yeah, late 60s. so if he's 11 years older than Tom Hanks, you think, what would you place Tom Hanks at? Nah, Tom Hanks is in his 60s, isn't he? All right, John Lithgow is early 70s. He's 75. Yeah, uh, mid seventies. Yeah, exactly wow. mid seventies. Wow. So next up, uh, yeah, three years later, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes was uh, made by Matt Reeves, and so yeah, James Franco didn't return for this film uh, because what Rupert Wyatt didn't return. It was one of those like <laughs> okay. leaving in solidarity kind of thing. Good for uh, him. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I cannot imagine James Franco's character making this film better. To be honest, it's it's it, it doesn't need the character. Mm uh so yeah what is dawn of the planet of the apps about okay so we it's set 10 years later is that correct uh yeah i think so. yeah 10 years later and the simian flu basically uh coronavirus to the whole world uh but, but this much time it much worse so we're, we're we're now in a post-apocalypse basically where cities of humans are hanging on by by shreds and- yeah the, the survival rate the, the about one in 500 people were genetically immune from the simian flu so that's roughly how much of the population is left um so what there's seven billion people in the world one two three one two three one two three divided by 500 
Um, yeah, not that many people left. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> like literally, literally, the only reason anyone's hanging out for that is to hear the number. At the end <laughs> like, yeah, not not many people at all. Uh, so uh, uh, for about fourteen million. Wow, like. that's heaps. Um, so <laughs> the yeah. So the apes now live in this little um, tribe that is in the woods off San Francisco. Caesar is the leader and he has a son and he has a wife and the wife has a new baby. Uh, And they sort of live in relative harmony um, with each other. They communicate via sign language and a small amount of talking. Caesar's basically the only one that talks. Mm. Uh, But they they live sort of in constant um, vigilance of the humans you know that they're, yeah. they're never 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 not aware that the humans are still out there and they make contact with a group of humans from a like survival outpost in san francisco who are trying to turn on a dam in the woods that will give them power back there's a confrontation mm. uh, they're, but- they're kind of like hey can you let us repair the dam i know it's in your territory but mm. if you let us repair it, we don't have to ever return here. Yes, and but then at the, on, on that same token, it's also given giving the humans more power, which is yeah. something they don't want to give them. Yeah. Um. So what what eventually happens really is, um, Caesar uh bonds with some of the humans and sort of learns to trust them while cobra who is the sort of uh would you call him not the right hand man that's more maurice the orangutan it's he's what role does he he's like his i mean he's his judas essentially like he's he's his follower he's his follower who does not trust the humans and ultimately results in uh, Cobra seemingly killing like assassinating Caesar and blaming it on the humans and then leading an all-out attack on the humans beginning a war turns out Caesar didn't die uh but you know and and they he fights uh Cobra uh and eventually defeats him killing him but at what cost it's too late the war has begun mm. so th- th- this is a the whole Battle of the Planet of the Apes, last film in the original series, one of the kind of main themes of that are reoccurring motifs, and that was this whole ape shall not kill ape thing. And that's like a huge thing in this. And that's Cobra betrays that when he attempts to kill Caesar. And then you've got another, for me, on par with the like, no, and the Caesar is home, is that Cobra is um um like mufasaing off the cliff um and and caesar's up there scarring him and <laughs> he <laughs> so so cobra's dangling off uh, like it's it's a giant tower that's been blown up and cobra you know does the the cowardly thing in his final moments of pleading caesar for his life and and reminds him like ape shall not kill ape and then caesar's holding him you know and and let him go would would let him fall to his death and caesar says you are not ape and lets him and drop and that was apparently one of those things that andy circus uh read the script and was like i i, I can't kill cobra that's such a betrayal of, and i think that line was added later on to like really emphasize that point um right that it's like he's lost his ape humanity you know and doesn't deserve to only there's a word for that (laughs) i'm not even making fun of you there's not a word for it yeah his ape is ape anity no is apity it would be um simian it would be like it would be yeah 
Um, yes, so... It's verisimilitude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a colour. It sounds like a... Like, a like cerulean. red. Or um, vermilion is what I'm thinking yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what what colour is vermilion? I would... A deep red. Or an oran- a deep orangey red. Everyone oh, yeah. look up vermilion. I'm not yeah, cutting out the say... <laughs> It's uh, both a brilliant red uh, or scarlet pigment. Originally made from the powdered mineral mineral cinnabar and the corresponding color. It's also a city in South Dakota. Colors come from like uh, come from something. Well, they just existed. <laughs> That's a confusing sentence to me. That it comes from something. <laughs> uh, so, what were we talking about? Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> no, we're talking about colors, Richard. <laughs> uh, so. Who else do you think is the same age as Jason Clark and could have played his role? Right, so here we have the opposite issue. <laughs> the we casting's the too good, here. it's distracting. Well, Jason Clark's great in the role, but like the only really famous person in this movie is Gary Oldman, yeah. who plays like a B-villain. Dreyfus um, is his name. Right, and and so it does feel like while they have an A-lister, they're not playing the role that they should have been playing. So I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily need it to be. Do you know what it more is? It's more that every human character should be the same level of famous as Jason Clark, which is like C mm. or D. Because oh, we've got um, <laughs> Felicity as well. What's her name? Yeah, um, yeah. Kerry. Yeah, Kerry Russell. Russell. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's interesting because I, I was thinking about like you know we did the episode of like Marvel or DC actors who haven't been cast yet, and we went through actors who had commented mm. on whether or not they would do a superhero movie and tried to nail down if they're a Marvel actor or a DC actor or like a sure. Fox X-Men actor or a Sony Marvel actor. Um, I was trying to, I, I, while watching the films, I was like, what is a Planet of the Apes reboot actor? Because there it's, it's, that's, it's that's, so that's all over the place. Is, yeah. is that Although to me, like, because because James Frank on the first one, I was like, this is such a weird casting. And then Gary Oldman, I was kind of like, he's too famous for this. And then Woody Harrelson in the third one, I was like, this is perfect casting. <laughs> Woody, Woody Harrelson plays a much different role to the other. Yeah, true. Uh, where you need, a, you need someone opposite Andy Serkis, whereas the other two aren't, mm. you know, matching the power of Andy Serkis. I don't yeah, think. yeah, sure. Um, so I don't know. I think I wouldn't replace Jason Clark, ironically. He's the one actor I wouldn't replace. Mm. Okay, well then who's the same age as um Gary Oldman? Gary. What like a least least famous version of Gary Oldman? Is that what I we're guess, doing? yeah. So sixty three year old actors. Twenty Tom years Hanks. older. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, someone less famous than <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, who could we have had? Um, Dan Castellaneta? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Ray Romano? I, mean, uh, I, I, I like Ray Romano. I'd like to see him in more roles. I don't know if this Dolph is Lundgren. the one to put him in. Giancarlo, yeah, Giancarlo Esposito? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good casting for, for that character. Hmm. Anyway, what do we want to talk about this movie? <laughs> No, I just want to look at more actor ages. Okay, what uh, about like Gary Gary Sinise? Why is Gary, yeah, Gary Sinise, Sinise not playing? Yeah, especially an, because a he's one movies. that I always get confused with. Steve Zahn, who's in the next one, and there's right. another actor who also he play um 
the dad from Death Note. <laughs> I always think he's Steve Zahn whenever I see him. Yeah, 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 right. Yeah. So we, we talked about um, Will Rodman, <laughs> James Franco's character, mm-hmm. his fate. It's, it's implied that he died from the simian flu. He does have a little cameo on this film um, and that because like, yeah, Caesar returns after um, he's presumed dead, he, he returns to the house where he grew up, and, which Will Rodman's house, and he finds a little camcorder and watches footage of him playing with a young Caesar, which I thought was one of those things that's like, oh, let, let's quietly bring in James Franco for a, a you know, a little cameo. He had no idea this was in the film. He was asked about an interview and he was like, what, I have a cameo? I didn't know that. You know, I didn't think they even asked my permission to do that. I like to think Caesar started the video and was like, is that James Franco? <laughs> <laughs> or they find the, 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 Jason Clark finds the photo in the house and he's like, Caesar, did you live with James Franco? <laughs> did you, did you live with like? disgraced actor James Franco? Why <laughs> this time it was, did you live with celebrated actor James Franco? Well, but this is set 10 years after 2011, so it's actually set next year. <laughs> No, this year. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, but also, so when Caesar goes back to the house, there's a, a, a sign with a red X on the door, which would mean that, you know, someone living here is infected kind of thing. So that's kind ah. of the biggest implication we get that he had the way. Like, also being in, in and around the facilities, he was mm. probably, you know, that's a good one point. of the early exposures. Yeah. Um, a randomly placed useless statistic. This is oh, our please. second franchise to contain a 2014 film which features a furry sidekick named Rocket. <laughs> after Guardians of the Galaxy. Very nice. Uh, there's a statistic somewhere in Jason Clark being in this film and Terminator Genesis, mm. which came out in 2015, but something about them both being uh, unclear reboots of a famous mm. franchise, like something, 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 useless statistic. Very good. <laughs> I'm clearly trying very hard these days. <laughs> yeah. So we didn't actually really talk about this yet, but uh, <laughs> what did you think of this film? Yeah, I was about to ask, wh- why? what is the Ron Tomato score? What would you uh, guess it I is? Th- um, 95, 96. Uh, 90. 90. I think this is... Uh, an unbelievably good film. Mm. And I almost mean that as an insult. Does that make sense? Uh yeah. Like yeah, sure. I have I've I've been given this and I've looked at the director and I and I've gone, it's a Planet of the Apes movie. Mm. Yeah, Why yeah. is this? It shouldn't be this one. Yeah. It shouldn't be this good. Um I think it's the best in the whole franchise, including the, the last original. the original. I think it's better than the original. Mm, um sure, yeah. I get I get shades of the Dark Knight watching this film. I get shades of mm. of um of Blade Runner twenty forty nine or Mad Max. Like I get it. It feels like one of those tentpole blockbusters that came out and everyone was talking about, but it wasn't. Mm. It feels like a it deserved that, yeah. but didn't get it. Um. So as I said earlier, I went to see this at the fil- at the films at the pictures <laughs> at the cinemas, uh, because my friend uh, worked at the cinema and could get me in for fifty yeah. cents. I'm I probably went to like a midnight screening for it or something. Yeah, sure. And I remember hearing beforehand, yo, it's really good. Yeah. Like it's weird. It's weird yeah. how good this is. Uh, and I just thought it was incredible, and I was so excited to get back and watch it again for this. Mm. Um, and yeah, man, I think it's, it's 
it's grecian you know yeah. it's complex it's tragic it's beautiful it's profound it's everything i was not expecting it would be mm. i guess i think this is a five-star movie a great film mm. so do i so the first time i watched this film is actually is kind of funny so I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I just, I, I had just moved to Auckland. I only just, I completely forgot about this until just recently. So I just moved to Auckland and I haven't told the story on the podcast, so I'm going to tell an even longer story. I'm leaning back in my chair. <laughs> oh my um, God. Oh my God. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> so I'd gotten my internship as part of my study. You have to like get an internship at a, at a company. Mine was in Auckland. I had to move cities. And then I moved up. I was flatting with uh, my girlfriend at the time uh david Correos, who we've had on the podcast a couple of times and aaron richardson our um our oscars mm. co-host so yeah. i think i had uh two weeks or something before i was starting my internship uh one of the first nights that all four of us were, were at the flat we had a few drinks and we we ended up playing a game called uh which we dubbed broomy spinny <laughs> so it's where you you put your head down you bend over put your head down on the top of a broom and you spin around it gets you incredibly dizzy do that 10 times and then you had to run downstairs flush the toilet and run back upstairs um sounds like a recipe for a rolled ankle if you ask me (laughs) so uh during one of my turns I broke my foot. <laughs> <laughs> this is like this is like the time I watch some people say what some people play uh, s- soccer football, but they set the ball on fire and someone ended up in the hospital. And it's like, well, well guess what happened, everyone? <laughs> yeah, it's a guess um, what happened injury. <laughs> but it was one of those things where I. Uh, it was incredibly painful. Uh, one of the most painful. So I, I sprained my ankle and broke my fifth metatarsal, which is um, an incredibly difficult. They, they, they were like, wow, this is an incredible difficult bone to break and an even more difficult bone to, you know, treat <laughs> the break mm-hmm. breaking of. And um, yes, yeah, so I ended up in a cast. Uh, I was actually in the cast. Well, not, not a cast, but like, like a soft cast kind of thing. So I was in that for like a week. Right, and I was starting my internship in a week, and I I had this cast on. I was walking with crutches, you know, wasn't allowed to put any weight on it, kind of thing. And so I just moved to Auckland, which is significantly hotter than Christchurch as well, and it was summer. And so my days were spent lying in bed, unable to get go anywhere to to go to the kitchen to really like go. I couldn't shower either. Um, I needed help to put like a chair in the shower so I could like properly wash myself um and so my days were spent lying on my bed drenched in sweat watching movies so i caught up on some ones from 2014 that i hadn't seen yet grand budapest hotel was one of them edge of tomorrow was one of them um and dawn of the planet of the apps was one of them and at this time as well uh dave uh also had he was working a job where he had days most of the days free and he would just he would come in i think he was just getting lonely and he he would come in and he would lie on the bed and just so, so like lie in front of me and then just put his hand out so that he was touching my leg not my broken one but just so that he was making physical contact with me and so i was usually like in just in my underwear or in like you know a loose fitting t-shirt and some underwear and he would come and just like rest his hand on my thigh and lie on the bed and he would walk in you know 
uh you know an hour or more into the film into these films and he did it with daughter of the planet of the apes that he walked in like half an hour at the end and was like <laughs> by the end of it he was like gasping and shocked and like <laughs> you know, like, like he, he he has this uncanny ability to just like get in buy into a movie immediately no matter yeah. where he picks it up yeah and yeah, yeah, so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, so that was my first experience watching Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, like on a glary screen that I couldn't do anything about, drenched in sweat with David Karyos resting his hand on my thigh. Like a sad dog. <laughs> yeah. And uh, if you're wondering what happened with my foot, I woke up in the middle of the night one night and not like a panic attack, but I, I had this like this moment of like, I got really like claustrophobic and I essentially like, ripped my cast off um, because I just couldn't. I was just panicking, having something like you know being constrained like that, and then I went to the to the uh, to the doctors the next morning, and essentially said like, "Hey, yeah, sorry <laughs> about this," and I managed to like I, it, it's going to sound like I'm, I'm but I actually kind of managed to like sweet talk slash like flirt my way into getting a moon boot when I was supposed to have a cast for a lot longer mm. like it was one of those things where it's like i actually like if i had been if i had acted differently i wouldn't be walking out of here with a moon boot and so because i had a moon boot i was able to start my new job um just you know partially um restricted and, and it, all, um, it all healed all right yeah uh, well i'm glad you asked because i i Fifth, fifth uh, verisimilitude. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's metatarsal because what there's it's one of those things that's like centripetal and centrifugal force, um, where one is your foot and one is your hand. Yeah, metatarsal. Yeah, um, is the foot. Um, but I'm glad you asked about did it heal all right because and so this was like a whole other thing. So I called it ACC, which is um, you probably don't have it in the states, but it's like um, accident insurance. Yeah, accident insurance, but like for the whole country, so uh, yes. you you just get put on. Yeah, anyway, it's one um, of New Zealand's wacky free healthcare schemes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and so they do this th- where it's like because I was unable to drive, um, and they said that you can get like free taxis, kind of thing through 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 ACC, and but not if there's like a bus you know available to you and so i finished work at six o'clock on on the dot each day and the last bus was maybe a five minute walk away that left at 602 and obviously that five minute walk became a seven to ten minute walk with in my condition and this is on ponsonby road by the way (laughs) and um they they wouldn't give me the taxi allowance because it's technically possible for me to catch that bus because it leaves after my shift is finished. And, and I was like, no, like you, you don't. And they said, Oh, just like ask your boss to leave early. And it's like, you don't understand. Like I'm, I'm starting a new job. It's in the film and television industry. If I'm lucky, I finish at six. Like, mm. you know, it, like most time, most days that's seven or eight kind of thing. And they, they just weren't buying it. And so one day I ended up, I just, I walked home on a moon boot. And so I walked, maybe it took me like, hour hour and a half and um anyway the moral of the story is i still can't feel part of my foot (laughs) right um because i had i somehow had or gave myself uh nerve damage and they when when i was talking because i was with someone my sister had rolled her ankle or something like that and it went in and i was like hey while i'm here (laughs) broke my foot a year ago 
still can't feel part of it. Is that normal? And they're like, yeah, you probably have nerve damage. And, you know, while while bones or other parts of your body heal in a matter of days, weeks, or even months, um, nerve damage, you're talking maybe years, maybe decades <laughs> kind of thing. And so, yeah, there's this little, like just above my heel, but on the sole of my foot, there, or just like in front of my heel, I guess, there's a little patch where it feels like I've like stood on a sticker. And so if I like right. rub my foot across carpet, there's one part that can't feel it. So you liked Dawn of the Planet of the Apes then? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Very nice. All right. Um, well, I hope people uh, liked that tangent. I hope that'll, that all. Of all the episodes to do a tangent on as well, where was where was the story for our MVP episode? Well, we didn't need it because we had all those great traffic stories. <laughs> That's true. Of this, this qualifies as a traffic story. Ponsonby Road. Yeah, yeah. That's why I dropped in the name right. of it. Um, I was working on Fitzroy Street at the time. Mm. And I was walking to Tyburnia Ave, mm-hmm. um, not to dox myself, but um, <laughs> where yeah. I lived, um, what, fucking six years ago. Um, fun fact about this film, which which is a much, much more interesting tidbit about my life than that story. Uh, a friend of mine worked on this film, did uh, works at Weta and, and did special effects for this film. Who's your friend? Uh, well, I don't want to say his name, but oh, I'll dox him. I'm bleep it out if you want. This is his name. Who actually, um, who's done special effects on films of mine. <laughs> <laughs> his name, his name's in the credits, Richard. I don't know if it's doxing him. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But yeah, anyway. Uh, yeah, so it, it's interesting, like, talking to him about how it works. Because, so, when you picture motion capture, I, I imagine what you think of is um, someone designs a an ape face and... Andy Circus wears these dots all over his face, and these the dots on his face correspond to dots programmed into the ape face. You run a program and it moves. That's not what happens. Okay. What happens is that they get like a close up of Andy Circus's face from you know whether they wear the, the little camera that the little GoPro. Face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and what uh, they have to do at Weta is go through frame by frame and recreate every single movement that he does by hand so they're not just running a program to do it they go through and be like okay so uh cool he's in this frame he's furrowed his brow slightly more so we put like and and you're working with like the muscles in the face so it's almost like like, a paint by numbers situation yeah kind of yeah and the notes they get back are like uh, this ape in the background has to blink three frames earlier. Jesus, Richard, this is easily the most interesting piece of information we have <laughs> delivered on this podcast in yeah. years, dude. <laughs> We're not the type yeah. of podcast that does genuinely interesting like behind-the-scenes facts like this. Yeah, I didn't think of it until today, but I was going to reach out to him and see if he wanted to join us for a segment on the podcast or um, maybe even an interview with Let's a interview with a VFX. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. One, I've got a favourite scene in this movie, mm-hmm. and it is—it's actually two, the combination of two scenes doing the same thing. So, uh, about just maybe, maybe after the first act of the film, Cobra leads a troop of rebellious apes into the city to try and like see if the humans can be trusted and he's sort of doing this without caesar's permission and he sees a bunch of humans like practicing with guns and he's wandering around they're like 
warehouse and two of the humans spot him and they aim their gun at him and it's this very tense scene and Cobra looks very scary and they're like he's an ugly motherfucker look at him and you think it's going to end in Cobra getting shot or like you know all hell breaking loose and instead Mm. Cobra like arches his back and then goes and then starts acting like how we would see a chimpanzee act like you know that sort of thing being very silly very very you know monkey-esque and and the humans let their guard down and then when uh maybe 40 minutes later in the film when Cobra's decided he's going to take matters into his own hands he returns to these humans and acts silly again for the, enough for them to let their guard down where he grabs one of their machine guns and kills them both and I think Richard this is a fantastic scene and it's fantastic mm-hmm. because it is using the fact that it's a Planet of the Apes movie to uniquely get out of trouble we talked about this mm. on the Death Note episode and we talked we compared it to Break Breaking Bad, like Walt in the RV when Hank's outside, and how like so much of yeah, Breaking yeah. Bad and so much of Death Note is prob the for the writers. It's problem solving. It's getting a character into a problem and then organically solving the problem so that it doesn't feel like they're cheating. This is a textbook example of that. And what elevates it even more is that it only works because a Cobra is a chimpanzee, and b it's a bonobo, and b it's set in this specific fictional universe at this specific time in the fictional universe you wouldn't be able to do this in a you know the similar the same like problem in a movie where all the characters are humans or uh it's set but it's not set in the or even in like um the original one correct and yeah. i think it's brilliant because it's i and i when i was re-watching it for this podcast i all i remembered was he gets out of it i couldn't remember how but i remember remembering i remember thinking like it's something real good and it you know it delivered and it, yeah. it it's so good and it's it's yeah it's just it's it's an enjoyable scene because it's kind of silly as well i just it's such a brilliant brilliant moment of screenwriting um and this film uh gets away with similar things in similar areas where uh in other films the same plot points could happen and you'd be like oh my god how infuriating for example Mm. We've talked a few times on this podcast, and I think maybe one of the most notorious tropes in all of uh, film history that people hate is when like a a misunderstanding could be easily resolved, but for the yeah. for the sake of the plot, it isn't resolved. Someone that you know, a wife walks in on a husband as like a seductress is about to kiss him against his will, and he's like, "No, I can explain," and they break up for six months before getting back together, all because he couldn't be like, mm. "You actually saw." Something something and incorrectly assumed mm. what you was actually going on. saw me being sexually assaulted yeah <laughs> or like um shakespeare's othello is does this it's like just fucking talk to each other and you'll solve the central issue of the of the story and what's great about planet of the apes is that it does that too where um sorry dawn of the planet of the apes where it's a situation of like uh they the entire war that the third film is named for is is about a miscommunication. It's it's about humans thinking apes started the war and and apes wrongly believing humans started the war. 
But mm. because they're apes and because they're humans, it is unique and it works and it's perfect. And you have a great villain in Cobra as well. Like it is, uh, it is predicated on a misunderstanding that could be easily resolved with communication. But we're talking about differently developed animals here, and so the the tragedy is ultimately that just that you know that that they're yeah. not they're not able to communicate because if they could you would have situations like jason clark and caesar who have a very beautiful scene at the end where they sort of hug each other and be like you need to leave because you're not so di- we're not so different you and we're I. not so different you and i um i want to talk about cobra as well because i think cobra is one of the greatest villains of the 21st of the 2010s say whatever you know he's a great villain and i think of, of this franchise of this, like. <laughs> I, I think he i think he ought to be recognized more but and i think he uh, represents what's so great about this these three films is how damn sympathetic everyone is or empathetic everyone is more more so than than your usual superhero fear like you the thing about dawn of the planet of the apes is like cobra is the ugly monkey you know he's coded as the Mm. villain but it's like i mean he's kind of right he has a yeah, point. Yeah, it's that classic thing. And it's, it's the two sides of the same coin. Like the, yeah, yeah. the villain just being a different version of the hero because not only are they both apes, um, mm. <laughs> but like as well that they were the two that were experimented on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and it, like, just, it went well for Caesar and not so much for Cobra. Yeah, and you watch him sneak into San Francisco and you watch him kill these guards and like initially you're like, oh, he's ruining it. But it's like, uh, he's right though like yeah. so is caesar but like the the they both act completely organically to their who their characters are uh it's it's excellent stuff and the 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 brotherhood and the duality between the two um is is world class i think um and yeah. it's it's a shame that it it feels like almost a hot take to say this movie is as good as it is because mm. it's like it just feels underrated would you call these underrated uh, they're one of those weird ones where it's like everyone not... who's seen them likes them it's just yeah, not yeah. a lot of people have seen them mm. yeah mm. uh got a couple of pieces of imdb trivia here lay them on me so the shot where caesar stands over cobra at the edge of the chasm is a mirror image of the shot in rise of the planet of the apes where cobra is standing over steve jacobs that's david yellow's character who um was one of the like the evil version of james franco who wanted to keep experimenting on them right and whatnot in both films the antagonist is on the edge as the antagonist on the edge is pushed and falls to his death both of these scenes happen after a climactic fight so cobra is in effect hoisted by his own petard <laughs> someone learned what that means and is yeah. trying to construct a sentence around it yeah just, just to try and add to the like verisimilitude of the yeah fact, exactly of the <laughs> this one uh, i just thought was funny cobra shares some similarities with scar for the lion king yeah yeah absolutely. both were uncles to their honorary nephews blue eyes and simba both have a hatred to the leader of their clan, Caesar Mufasa. Both eventually try to kill their clan leader. However, Scar actually succeeded in killing Mufasa. Both take major control of their clans, also starting a war. Both are complete monsters. Both fall to their deaths after a climactic battle with their respective rivals, Caesar and Simba. However, Scar survived his fall but got killed by the hyenas. Yeah, they also have big fucking scars on their face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. <laughs> like, I, I thought that's where you were going with that. Like, <laughs> I thought that was going to be your main point. <laughs> I want to I say as well, I want to shine a spotlight on Maurice the orangutan, who's sort of the um, the Samwise Gamgee of this, this trilogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he has a great moment in this where after... After Koba supposedly shoots Caesar and then starts burning down the ape village and uh, making it, you know, making it look like it's the humans, uh, Maurice looks at the humans who have just made friends with everyone and goes, "Run!" And it's his only line in the first two films, like that he speaks out loud, and mm. it's 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 like a it's it's a comedic beat where you're not expecting a comedic beat, and it's really, yeah, I think yeah. it's really good. <laughs> He's a good boy. Uh, so that's um, yeah. Do you have anything else you want to say about Dawn? So much, eh? But nothing comes to mind. I love the I love the opening and closing shots. That it's like that, like that slow zoom and slow zoom out of um, of Caesar's oh, face. Oh fuck yeah! And, and t- take taking pictures for Instagram. Boy, is it convenient when a film's most iconic image is its opening one. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it's like, boom, snap, and then I can just enjoy the movie rather than yeah. having to be like, oh, shit, I'll go yeah. back to that. Yeah, but, watching Mission or, Impossible, a film I've never properly seen, having to be like, fuck, when does he hang from the ceiling? When does this happen in this mm. movie? <laughs> Get your phone out quickly! For those who don't know, we take photos of our screens for Instagram to prove we're watching the film. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, we just kind of started doing that one day because we made an Instagram for Cop Bopshire. I think it's a great way to keep the Instagram alive and and yeah it, it's cool. and, and and it breathes it's, life into the process of of how we do mm. this you know and it is funny i mean i always fucking forget to do it but mm, you do <laughs> <laughs> and there was there was a while where people were guessing which one of us took the photo because i would typically go for like the iconic or stage yeah. shots and you would go for like blurry <laughs> crash zooms in on the characters faces and stuff one time you just uploaded a video <laughs> did i for um uh, I'll always know what you did last summer. It's just a video. <laughs> really? I don't, I don't it's, remember It's like that a video of a funny thing that happens, but it's like, well, I guess a new precedent's been set and now we can <laughs> do videos. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. I remember, I think it's Romancing the Stone is my worst one, where it's yeah. like, <laughs> it's, 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 it's <laughs> nothing to do with the film. Yeah. Um, my one for War of the Planet of the Apes is pretty good, though. <laughs> I'll say. <laughs> Go check it out if you haven't seen it. I'm not going to spoil what it is. Oh, very um, cool. Although, while we're just getting esoteric, my favourite one I've ever done is uh, National Treasure 2. Um, I think it's the second one. Um, when he sticks his arm on the rock. Yeah, it's So funny. One. So funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, War for the Play of the Apps, also directed by Matt Reeves, came out in 2017. What's this one about? So this one is set five years later, um, and... It's sort of there's there's the you know Earth is even more ruins and there's now a war between the the apes and the humans and um and the in in at the start of the film they the apes and Caesar sort of take hold of a of a troop of of soldiers and send them back home as an act of mercy to say like basically like just leave us alone like we're not going to war with you we we're happy in the woods you know um unfortunately in retaliation uh Woody Harrelson who's a, a described in the opening the Star Wars opening crawl of this film as uh, a ruthless colonel. 
Um, mm. he, he shows up with like a team and they lay waste to Caesar's uh, tribe, tragically killing his son and wife, um, who were main characters, or his son certainly was in the previous mm. film. Uh, so it's, it's a very it's a very heavy death. I th- you could you kind of see it coming. It feels like the as like a, as like a screenwriter, it feels like the obvious thing to do yeah. with with this next chapter. Um, so the only family member here he has alive is his uh, five year old son um, Cornelius from mm. the original Planet of the Apes movies. Uh, so they've heard word that there is like the sanctuary that's you know, some journey in a different direction. And so Caesar sends the remainder of his tribe to go look for that sanctuary while he and a couple of the other main ape characters who are all different kinds of apes, thank God, because how else would you be able to differentiate between the characters? They Mm. set off essentially to get revenge on Woody Harrelson. Um, And so along the way, they pick up a mute girl, a mute human girl, and they don't know why she can't speak, but they start to discover other humans that can't speak. They also pick up Steve Zan, who plays a, a um, maybe one of the greatest CGI characters I think on record so far in human history. I think that that cat. What's what's his name? I didn't. Bad ape. Bad is just. I thought is he just called Bad Ape? That's mm. so funny. Um, he looks incredible. My God, he mm. looks out of this world. He looks yeah. five times better than the other apes in the film. Funny. Um. Because because he's because he's uh, bald as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, probably why. And he tell he sort of tells them about where he's seen this camp where the other where the, the where uh, Woody Harrelson's character is. So they infiltrate it, but uh, Caesar gets caught, discovers his whole tribe have also been caught uh, and are hanging out there, and learns from Woody Harrelson's character. They're, well, they're they're imprisoned there. Yeah, uh, it's a concentration camp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Learns from Woody Harrelson's character that the simian flu, which everyone was, all the remaining humans were immune to, has actually mutated and is now taking away your voice and your your intelligence, basically turning them into the humans we see at the start of the Charlton Heston Planet of the Apes movie. And I, the little girl who can't speak's name is Nova, who is the. Uh, mute sex symbol mm. from the, yeah who, the, and, and it's she's a little girl now but in just a few th- short t- 2000 years yeah yeah grow up to be that's that that sex object for charlton heston that's that's what i mean is that it's it's clearly the the timeline has been reassessed for for these ones yeah i mean i, I don't think necessarily that she is supposed to, like i think it's it's a fun little fancy there's no reason she isn't nova I think well, she's she's a, a two thousand year gap. Other than that, though, like she's a mute girl. Like if mm. they make another one, and I know yeah. they are, but if they do, which I know they are, that like she could be the Nova. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. that wouldn't surprise me. Uh, anyway, so uh, Woody Harrelson says something to Caesar that I thought was really cool, where he's like, "You're so blinded by an act of war." He's like, "I didn't mean to kill your family, but it's you know, it's a act, it's a it's war." So what do you expect? And he says to him, mm. if you kill me, everyone, all the humans will kill your entire tribe. So like you actually need to weigh up what you're trying to do here. Mm. Uh, anyway, the, he sort of makes contact again with the the rest of the apes that are on the outside and they construct a chicken run-esque uh, <laughs> breakout. It becomes like a the prison break. Oh, yeah. And sorry, you also find out that uh, Woody Harrelson's group of soldiers are actually 
like rebels themselves because when this new virus broke out that started taking away people's voices Woody Harrelson was the only leader who was like we need to kill everyone who's infected yeah including his own son yep so there are now other humans who are coming to kill them right so they're basically in the middle of this this like hot war zone uh and it ends with them all escaping woody harrelson contracts the virus through a a doll that is transferred to him how good is that it's how great that? yeah nova's doll like that because obviously there was the importance of the doll in the original mm. yeah and yeah then, yeah that's, to, to bring that, that's so good yeah so nova nova has a doll she breaks into the commune and the compound sorry gives it to caesar and then woody harrelson is like what the hell is this and he gets the virus from that uh it ends with an avalanche um (laughs) the the apes all escape and eventually uh go to the sanctuary they've been looking for which is it looked like lake michigan or something like that uh and the Colorado Plateau. Ah, oh, there you go. Uh, and Caesar, um, suffering from wounds in the war, quietly dies in, next to Maurice while they look on their uh, ape sanctuary that has been look created. Look upon their works, um, ye mighty in despair. Mm, but the opposite of that. Yeah. And yeah. and and joy. Yeah. Yeah, so this is both of us, our first time watching this film, yeah? Yeah, yeah. Weird that it's like, loved the second one when I saw it in cinemas, never watched the first one, never even considered going to see this one. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's insane. It's such a weird, like, I remember um, when we did Most Anticipated Films of 2017, we kind of both said, this is the best film of the year that I won't see. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, for some reason, like, yeah, by that point, I'd already loved the first two, but mm. yeah. So this is the 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 character bad ape you mentioned. Mm. I loved this film as well. Just FYI, okay. mm-hmm. it has eighty four percent of Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, so all all three movies in the trilogy quite high. But um, just talk about this character of bad ape. Um, it's it's kind of an interesting thing because it the the character was kind of created to like answer questions. And that that you kind of might not have realized that you were asking uh, because it was during like the press tour for Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, Andy Serkis was asked about like, did the uh, ALZ-113, did that affect like all monkey or all apes or just Caesar's tribe? And then they were like, actually, fuck, that's a good question. So they created the character of Bad Ape to show that yeah this is this is like a worldwide thing mm-hmm. and then also uh matt reeves had the idea that it's like well all the the apes wear clothes in the original and none of ours w- would so they created a character who's um gone bald from old age essentially and um yeah, yeah to, to kind of bridge that gap right and i also like i i, I love that the character like that bad ape is just called better because that that's like his uh he he, t- he talks about how his like the, the humans around him just called him uh, you're bad ape bad ape and so he just thought that was his name kind of thing mm. and like and then the woody harrelson's character is just like the colonel and it's like it's cool having that it's like society has devolved so much that like our characters are just pre- there's one called preacher preacher the colonel bad ape donkey like that <laughs> Don't get what are you fuck and, and that's another thing that I loved the the addition to these to these films because they they at the start they talk about like oh yeah we've got a couple of Kongs coming up and they're like yeah let's send our donkey and so it's like they they referring to the apes as Kongs and then donkeys presumably reference to Donkey Kong are like ape apes that are working for the humans. Guess what I just learned and didn't make the connection with 
until right now. What? I just thought they were randomly calling them Donkey. Like, as sort yeah. of like an insulting term. Of course it's Donkey Kong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, um, and also like the reference that they're like kind of their, their pack mules, really. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, it's a fun little double thing. Um, that's very funny that you didn't pick up on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's also the, uh, the Alpha Omega, which is the Colonel's organization. That's a reference to the bomb from Beneath the Planet of the Apes. Right. There you go. All right, so I am. I need to talk about my feelings for this film because they're a lot more complex than I feel for the last two. Okay. okay. In in that, uh, what are the Rotten Tomato scores like for each for three all three? Uh, so it's eighty two, ninety, eighty four. Yeah, I agree with that order. I think the second one is quite clearly the best one, mm-hmm. uh, and I like this one more than the first one, but. I was maybe slightly overhyped for this film in terms of how I ended up feeling about it. I, I liked it a lot. I gave it four and a half stars on, on Letterboxd, but I think when I was told, like, the third one's as good as the second one, I was maybe expecting that, you know, and I don't mm. think it is. I think I think for, for me, this the third one, while I liked it an awful lot, it didn't have a no or a you are mm. not a moment. And I yeah. think it's like a needed one jaw-dropping moment. Yeah. I think Bad Ape, as incredible as he looks, and I love Steve Zahn, uh, I could very much understand someone hating that character. He he flirts with being like the Jar Jar Binks of the series, I think. Mm. Um, just because I he's, think someone said that to me or us, didn't right. they? I don't know. About it's just a, the, the fact that the third one has a Jar Jar Binks character in it. Yeah, well, he is though. Like, it's not as bad as Jar Jar Binks, and and I certainly racist. didn't. <laughs> I certainly didn't dislike him as much, but I could easily see someone being like, like really enjoying the first two, and then getting to Bad Ape and being like, mm. fuck. Like they mm. they added a Jar Jar Binks uh, because mm. he I if if I was to criticize him in any like uh, sort of intellectual way I'd say I feel like Steve Zan is a little too articulate as the character I think he could draw it back a bit he seems right. well he you seems, know what, what game we're about to play then what oh who, who else, else played him but it's not a case of who else could have played him it's it's just that the the <laughs> well now that you've said that. Okay, 53-year-old actors. So we've had a 43, 53, and a 6-year-old. Holy shit, and a 20, no, 33 with uh, Tom Felton. Like, literally every actor we've looked up has been 10 years apart from each other. (laughs) See, that makes this bit work. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so, uh, actors who are less articulate who could have played Steve. (laughs) Bad I'm not saying. (laughs) Okay, Okay, how about this? The number one result. For fifty-three-year-old actors, who who could be less articulate as Bad Ape than Vin Diesel? <laughs> okay, exactly. There you go. He'd have to be like a gorilla, though, because <laughs> he's built like one. Um, you also got uh, Matt LeBlanc. Um, I don't think he would. In a way, he's he's less articulate. Steve Steve Zan is the rich man's Matt LeBlanc. He totally yeah. is. He's 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 Joey in smarter movies than than Friends. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Some other options because there's actually this is probably the best pool of actors we've had to choose from. Okay. Ty Burrell. Um. Okay. Yeah. I could see him doing it. Um. Josh Brolin. No. <laughs> he should be in these movies though. I think he'd be a good. Yeah. Daniel Craig. Um. No. <laughs> Jason Statham. 
Ah, uh, no. <laughs> Will Ferrell. Um, uh, if these movies were sillier, it could be Will Ferrell. Uh, Mark Ruffalo. Yeah! That's it. That's it. Mark Ruffalo's a great idea. Mark Ruffalo. Be, be, because you because you said like no, it's not because of this. I was like, well, now we're going to find a better version. <laughs> like we're going to find one. That, and then I saw Mark Ruffalo on the page. I was like, oh, AJ's going to lose a shit. <laughs> Adam Driver was fifty three years old. Oh, no, I wouldn't say Adam Driver would be good as as bad ape though. I don't know. Would do, do Le- you leave Schreiber? Do, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Do you know who else is a fifty-three-year-old and we know Tell can me. play an ape? Tell me, Paul Giamatti. <laughs> um, do you agree that he that with my critiques of bad ape as a character, or do you at least see uh, where I'm uh, coming from? I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, 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 I liked him. I, th- I mm. thought he was a cool character. I thought the uh, first half of the film was better. I liked it before it became chicken run and i'm not really i'm just making a joke i'm not saying it's too much yeah it's it's um a film of two halves well it's not even chicken run it just becomes like a prison escape movie yeah yeah um it doesn't have to be chicken run it's a chicken no because it's animals it's animals escaping a prison and so it's chicken run yeah sure Um, it's yeah i think as well that it kind of suffered from the marketing and the title mm -hmm. and Making we'll it seem like it's, about it's, it's the biggest thing there is when it's actually the, probably the, the smallest story of the three. Yeah, yeah, like like that. It's you, you know you're, you're setting this up like the battle for the five armies kind of thing, where it's mm. like the this one's just going to be fucking apes on horses with machine guns gunning yeah. down humans, and it's and it's yeah, it's not at all. And I think mm. it's it's a better movie because of it, but mm. I can see why. And or you're already kind of going into it with like an under hype, yeah. You're, you're you're kind of already going into it with the energy that you shouldn't have. Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, I thought that the avalanche at the end was very like, oh, how are you going to use an act of God to? Um, and I think they they just got away with it if because the first because thing- also the apes managed to get away from it by they can all climb. Yeah, so the human, the humans who turn up and decimate the bad guys, which is another thing where it's like, well, this was never really. <laughs> they would, this is another example of how it's smaller than the war for the planet of the apes, yeah, yeah. in the sense that the main bad guys were no match for the bigger bad guys. Um, they turn up, and then an avalanche happens, and it knocks out the humans, which saves Caesar's life. Right, and I was mm. like, ah, oh, like. That's using coincidence to get a character out of trouble. Mm. Uh, but then it very swiftly puts them in trouble because now they've got to outrun an avalanche. So it it gets away with it. Um, ultimately, I don't like that Caesar died. I don't think they should have killed off Caesar. I think, first of all, he dies from a wound he gets at the prison and then they travel from wherever they are to uh, Colorado and what is presented as like at least a week's long journey. They talk about it earlier as in it being a long journey, but that's why they'll be safe from humans. So like, I, I find it weird that like he would suffer this, this fatal injury, but survive a trek across the country only to die when he finally gets there. That this is, this is the, the, um, the, the like functionality of it. I'm saying doesn't work. I also don't, I also would have preferred it if he'd survived and been able to live and thrive in his. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's one of those things that, because they're making a fourth one it's kind of like ah, like i'd i would rather kind of just have it be be caesar's films yeah but yeah i think thematically as a trilogy it kind of makes sense for us 
his I, character like, arc to, of to course. And, and, yeah. and like like to have this like the, if, if this was just like a completely removed three film well i mean obviously it kind of like it, it it only exists as a payoff because we know we're getting the planet of the apes but like it's such a perfect little like self-contained and one story told over three films yeah i just don't think you need to kill the hero to to keep sure. that intact you know yeah. and it kind of it just kind of bums me out and i don't think i think it would have like there is such there's an there's a hope at the center of these movies um, which it, it wouldn't have to have that there. Like these could very mm. easily be very cynical movies, and I think Caesar enjoying the spoils of all they'd sacrificed would have further fit that that theme or that that mood. But yeah, that's about all I didn't like about it. I I think it's uh, there's there are places where I thought it was like the the music swelled and it felt very dramatic and and I kind of didn't buy it. There's a there's a climactic moment where Caesar is about to throw a grenade in at a or at a petrol tank um and he gets shot by the arrow that eventually kills him uh, and stumbles. Watching this, I didn't see the arrow. So picture in my in, from my perspective, it's this wide shot of this this chimpanzee, this kid, this this character that has taken three movies to take seriously. Watching a chimpanzee, especially yeah, coming yeah. off the back of MVP, <laughs> you know, in George of the Jungle. Yeah, 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 now yeah. I've got to take this seriously, and I see the music swell in this big dramatic moment, and then not see the arrow shoot him, and just think it's this weird pratfall where he like fucks <laughs> up the throw and i i laughed i was like what the fuck and then i was like oh i got shot um and like that's not the movie's fault but but it was it it kind of like took me out for a moment and there are mo- other moments where i felt it was maybe a little too uh flourishy for what it was otherwise a very grounded story and yeah. at, at its best when it's grounded um well yeah but i also yeah. think like it's um it- you know i apologize for putting words in your mouth but because it's one of these things where it sounds like you or we are being very critical of the film but it's like these are notches that take it down from being perfect not like correct not like this is a bad film here's why it's like yeah, yeah. this is a perfect film except it has this this and this what i'm doing is i'm taking issue with everyone who told me that this is on par with the right, second yeah. one because I don't think it is at all. I think the second one is like considerably better than the first and mm. third one. Sure. Uh, but I like. I really liked the setup as as the story gets going. I'm like, yeah, man, this is what you do. You you take a character whose entire uh, purpose has been to be above the the smut of it all, above and then, the planet of the apes, above the planet of the apes, and then kill his family and make the stakes emotional um which you know will this be his downfall he says in the film mm. you know he's like it's true i'm no better than cobra and it's like yeah, yeah, and he's, yeah. he's haunted by cobra in the film as well yeah 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 yeah. um that, that we, we keep seeing flashes of which was which is a cool way to bring cobra mm. back i thought yeah um, yeah 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 and and it's that kind of thing of yeah the the, the am i better than mm. than him yeah yeah, do you have anything else you wanted to say about War for the Planet of the Apes? I don't know, I feel like I've got to talk about it <laughs> for longer, talk, talk about what I liked about it more. Um, but I don't, like, it's, it is, it, what it is, here, here, here it goes. What it is, is a very satisfying conclusion to a trilogy, and that's all well and good to say, but then you think, how fucking often are there satisfying the thing, conclusions yeah. to trilogy? Yeah. This is a landmark franchise. When we get to ranking it, 
I expect it to rank pretty high because this We'll talk is, about it when we get there, yes. This is very significant. This is like, and when it came out, I remember when when the, you know, not that I saw it in the cinemas because I'm not a sociopath, but when, when it came out in cinemas and I remember thinking like, this one's going to stumble. This will be the stumbling block. And it came out and people, and it, you know, it got, it got high Ron Tomato score. And people were like, yeah, it's great. I was like, no, that that's not what trilogies do. It's still not mm. what trilogies do. Yeah. You know, like trilogies stumble and fall and, you know, best case scenario, it's a Godfather part three where it's like a pretty good movie to the two of the greatest films of all time that happen to be a sequel, you know, sequels or one that happens to be a sequel to the other. Mm. Like, yeah. And so in that respect, I have, I have intense, very like, reverence for this franchise and i think that there's a lot of lessons that can be learned uh from this i think if i'm to to break like we one of my favorite observations we've ever made on this podcast was the when talking about how video game movies always suck and then pikachu the detective pikachu movie came out and it was kind of good but the problem was you cannot take the lessons learned from detective pikachu and apply it to other video game movies because the situation like it's pokemon it's already Mm. an ip that transcends video games and detective pikachu is technically a video game but you don't really think of it as one you know all these things that make it like completely useless to cracking the formula of a good video game movie and and on that same token like what can you learn from studying this trilogy if you set out to make a good trilogy you know Mm. because i think this may be aside from the fact that it's a reboot of a larger universe it may be one of the best trilogies ever made if not the best if not the most consistent ever made Mm. yeah i agree and that's all I had to say about that. <laughs> that's great. Um, this was this was also the first film in the entire franchise to not credit um, Pierre Boulle, who oh, no. wrote the original um, Planet of the Apes novel. Um, but yeah, it's because, I, I think kind of because rather than taking um, inspiration from like the actual Planet of the Apes novel, it kind of took inspiration from something more like The Bridge on the River Kwai. Um, right. which is a book by author Pierre Boulle. <laughs> I didn't know he wrote that. That's yeah. crazy that those two stories are by the same guy. <laughs> yeah, um, 11 years apart, but yeah, it's Pierre Boulle's Wikipedia page literally says, he's a French novelist best known for two works, The Bridge on the River Kwai and Planet of the Apes. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Um, all right, yeah. Richard, the question that everyone's tuned into this episode for, uh, who would win in a fight between James Franco, Gary Oldman, and Woody Harrelson? The three A-list human stars mm-hmm. of this franchise. Not the characters, the actors. Who wins? <laughs> uh, Woody Harrelson. You reckon? Hmm. Yeah, you're probably right. I was going to go on a big rant about how Woody Harrelson's probably not as tough as he, as his characters are, but even with that considered, he's still probably <laughs> tougher. Well, than one th- the other one two. thing that, that I always think about is that um, Dean Norris, Hank from Breaking Bad, talks about that like he's like you know you think of like any any actor like him who plays like tough guys. It's like yeah. We we were still the theater kids, you know. Yeah, I think about that a lot as well. <laughs> yeah, that's that. Like we were the we were the ones who burst out into song and and you know and <laughs> and got made fun of, got bullied. Yeah, and yeah. it's like and now we're like these big tough guys. It's like you yeah, were still actors. We're still theater kids. Yeah, I think about that with yeah. like Robert De Niro and stuff. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and especially considering how good of an actor Robert De Niro is. It's like, mm. he's a theater kid, though. They are all theater kids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the, 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 the conversation you actually came here for, not this <laughs> stupid fight question, um, is what does Alexander Jones, Alex Jones, the title boy, think of these like because these are some of the most like i feel like some of the most contentious titles of the last decade they're they're so contentious and that contention has reached the mainstream which never happens with titles mm. no we're the we i would i would bet that we are the largest social media presence that discusses titles and we're not my point is we're not large right <laughs> like that's my point is that like yeah. i don't think any other podcast any other whatever talks about titles as much as we do we talk yeah, about titles, titles a lot a lot on this podcast <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so we have a segment called we talk about titles a lot on this podcast which i, I listened to a very early episode of our podcast recently and and i and i said we talk about titles a lot on this podcast and i was like damn how old are they saying? Like, <laughs> it was Sister of the Traveling Pants. I, I really listened to that. Right. It became a segment, I think, in the scary movie episode. I think that was when I said, right. we're going to make this a segment. Right. Okay. Interesting. So, yeah, the title of this, pod- of this franchise, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, War for the Planet of the Apes. War for the Planet of the Apes was originally announced as War of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Um, and as I mentioned before, Rise of the Planet of the Apes was originally announced as Caesar and then renamed to Caesar Rise of the Apes, then named to Rise of the Apes, then renamed to Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. So let's discuss the problem at the heart of these contentious titles. Mm-hmm. Is that you're you're using the phrase of the twice, which is a very already I feel like titles with of the in them is like they're very easy to come up with, and now you're doing it twice, and I think it's for a production reason. I think it's because no one's going to know this is a Planet of the Apes movie if it's called Rise of the Apes. You know, I mm-hmm. think that's that's the problem is that you can't take the word planet out of it. The problem is is I think especially Rise of the Planet of the Apes conveys the wrong thing rise mm. of the planet <laughs> what <laughs> it's it's like it's talking about the planet that mm. happens to be of the apes and not rise of the apes on the planet which is not a better yeah. title but <laughs> speaking of like you said that it's like the wrong one because it's one of these things and i think i might have mentioned it last week or i at least mentioned it off pod to you that um and, and this was like a huge <laughs> argument we had recently about bad boys um bad boys th- the third bad boys movie being called bad boys for life is a dumb title because they're making a fourth one. And the fourth one should be called Bad Boys for Life. And the third one should be just be called Bad Boys 3 or whatever. Um, and you disagree with that, that you shouldn't save a title for a pun title. And like I say, Bad Boys for Life isn't like you can't, it's not like you can't name your third one that. But if you're making a fourth one, not having it be your fourth one. Because also the other thing, not only does it have four in the title, but it's also a very final title, especially when the first two are just sure. called Bad Boys, Bad Boys 2. And then you go, here's the final one, Bad Boys for Life. We're making another one. If you, if you depending on what, like if it, at least the next one's called Bad Boys Forever, which it might well be. <laughs> but like if you, if the next one's called Bad Boys 4, say, or you know, Bad Boys Resurrection, you would assume that Bad Boys for Life is the fourth one if you had the the four DVDs kind of thing. And that's the thing that rise of the planet of the apes is a good title. Resurrection. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like 
Rise of the Planet of the Apes is a good name for a prequel to Planet of the Apes. But if you're making a second one, it becomes a bad title. And if your second one is called Dawn, it becomes a really bad title because Mm. the Dawn happens before the Rise. I pitch to you that Dawn, War, and Rise are good, like, prefixes for these films. They're in the wrong order. The first one should be called Dawn. The second one is actually where the war takes place and is more of a war film. Then the third one should be Rise. Interesting. It isn't, I think that's a good idea. So I'm not saying I disagree with your idea. Well, it idea. sounds like you, you do. I'm saying I think the problem at the heart of it is that it's saying too many words and saying of the twice. And Yeah, well, I don't have a problem with that. I want to talk about something else. <laughs> is the, sorry, who's the title boy? Who's the one that leads these conversations? You're, you're totally right in the sense that it's a weird order to put them in. But I similarly have title alternatives for you. Oh. Okay. So I think the best title in the whole franchise, other than Planet of the Apes, is Beneath it's the beneath. Planet of the Apes. Because I think that that's very evocative. It's very interesting. And I like I always like titles that are like adding extra like another word to recontextualize the title. <laughs> Don't say yeah. like Rise of the Planet of the Apes, because it's got two of this in it, and that's what that's what upsets me about it, right? Okay. So here's my titles. Can for... I guess one or can I give give No, one? you can't guess one. <laughs> this is my part. <laughs> what what? Before the Planet of the Apes. Before the Planet of the Apes should be the first one. I think that Was that get... actually yeah, that was, yeah, that it was is. your one? Yeah. yeah. I think Before the Planet of the Apes is a great idea for the first one because I think it tells everyone it's a Planet of the Apes prequel. And I mm. think that's what it is. And I think that's actually a pretty cool title as well. And I think mm. that that's the that's the obvious one that comes to mind. So here's my pitch. You call the first one before the Planet of the Apes, right? I'm watching mm. the second one. I'm watching uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. I'm trying to think. And, like, I'm coming up with all these ideas that don't, like, I got into a Don't Cry For Me Argentina vibe. And I was like, cry for the Planet of the Apes? Like, you know, what What okay, am I thinking? Yeah. But here's what I think. And I think this is a pretty good title. I think so. Before the Planet of the Apes, the second one should be Divide the Planet of the Apes. Because it is. It's about a division. It's about a schism through the characters. Um and it's not something this the planet it's not something for the something of the planet of the apes or whatever. So I think before the planet of the apes, divide the planet of the apes. It also conveys that very sequely idea of like, hey, everything you thought you knew, now it's in crisis. You know, like now it's there, sure, yeah. there is there is um shaky ground. The foundations are being divided. You know. Um, and if if the first one was called Before the Planet of the Apes and the second one was called Divide the Planet of the Apes, I wouldn't necessarily have too much of an issue with War for the Planet of the Apes. Um, so we can keep that if we want. But other alternatives I thought of were as if you've got Divide, Divide the Planet of the Apes, you could have Conquer the Planet of the Apes. Or mm. what I think is maybe more applicable to the film itself, Survive the Planet of the Apes. Um, mm. I think... Yes, yeah, I, I, like, I, I, I like Survive the Planet of the Apes, but then I would just put the second one be war right because the second one the uh, the second one's more about humans versus apes mm. and it's 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 has more conventions of a war film correct Um, like the the third one is like you center out of concentration camp um but yeah i i i I really like survive the planet of the apes Mm. 
Nice. That was unexpected. I thought you'd be all over Divide, but guess no, not. No, I actually, I didn't want to say, but I don't like Divide. That's crazy. You're crazy. It's such what? a good title. <laughs> uh, I think it's because it's... Um, I wanna, because d- divide is like it, it's like a it's like an order, right? You're telling someone like division of the planet of the apes, I guess, would be the, the like, but it's of the yeah, yeah, as your problem. But yeah, and so I, I looked up divide synonyms. I couldn't find one because I, I get what you're trying to do, but I think it's like it's yeah, I can't think of the the, the right grammatical terms, but it's like yeah, it, it's it's telling someone to do something mm. rather than. Whereas all the other ones are like noun, they're not nouns, but yeah, anyway. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, I mean, the point of the, these discussions is never, I've long since dropped the ambition of convincing you of my titles. It's more, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. this is the creative offering to the podcast for my- But no, but, I, but you get like my legitimate reasons. So like- when I, you talk th- about- I want to avoid, I want, uh, my ideal situation is that it's one word Planet of the Apes for each of them, but they create sentences. Right before the Planet of the Apes survived the Planet of the Apes, so calling the the second right, one yeah. War for the Planet of the Apes is still kind of like blah blah blah. You know, it's mouthy to me. Where mm-hmm. like fight the Planet of the Apes, battle the Planet of the Apes. Destroy. I would be okay. destroy the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, kill kill the Planet of the. Well, even like like I thought of um, while I was watching it before I landed on the brilliant brilliant idea of divide the Planet of the Apes. I thought yeah. of um, save the Planet of the Apes. Uh, because of yeah. sa- save the planet as a concept, um, yeah. and like sort of a you know that's a, that's a saying. Eat, eat the planet of the apes. Eat the eat the planet of the apes. Uh, or uh, and this adds two words, but peace on the planet of the apes. But I don't think that sounds like a very exciting second entry in a trilogy mm. to be like. And now it's peace, but it did it does then is followed by war. So I was like, well, mm. there you go. But I what think about. Yeah. Um, Across the planet of the apps. <laughs> like across the universe? This is the yeah. Beatles. <laughs> I mean, Across yeah. the planet of the apps is a good title. I don't like, think like, for any of these if, specific if they, movies. If they're going to the, the yeah. sanctuary, they end, a cross would work for the fourth Yeah, one. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, journey to the center of the planet of the apes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're encroaching on my. Uh, it's good to do the franchise. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, let's <laughs> by all means. <laughs> um, so, continue the franchise this is a segment where we both pitch continuations of the franchise, uh, as well as discuss any others that maybe the works. We've referenced a couple of times already that um, there is a fourth film in development. Wiz Ball is um, confirmed to be directing that. He directed the Maze Runner movies, or like a couple Ooh, of them at least. Okay. But he's, uh, he said it's going to honour Caesar's legacy. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, well, we'll see, mate. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I don't think that... I'm not, I'm not angry that another one is being made, but I mm. think more so... We've had a couple of examples where, like, finding out a new movie is being made we you know we look at our franchise rankings and we're like this is a very hallowed ground and i think something like a a it seems more likely to me that a fourth reboot planet of the apes movie will be bad than a fourth toy story you know so sure, I, yeah. I, th- I think well, it's because none ground. of these three should have been good already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right, so AJ, do you want to go first? Because yours is probably better than mine. Uh, I doubt. Well, I think <laughs> it has the potential. Depending on what yours is, the the real. So we. I'm going to explain everything, Richard. We stop recording after an <laughs> each hour to save everything. So you've missed about 
um, you know, 10, 10 minutes, three minutes. Like, of, yeah, I went to go of, pee. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and when he came back, I was like, my continue the franchise isn't very good. So if yours is good, I should go first. Uh, and I maybe lead you up the garden path. It's not that mine's not good. <laughs> because mine's real fucking it's good. <laughs> real fucking No, it's that it's, uh, I haven't done a lot of work and yeah. I maybe need some some spitballing. And it's also very obvious. I need obvious. some spitballing too. I feel like mine is the first idea you come up with when asked to do a sequel. Okay. And that's like you remake Planet of the Apes. In uh, this okay. Okay. <laughs> do I need to Google actors who are the same age as Charlton Heston was when he made Planet of the Apes? Uh, you kind of do. Like, okay, but but they have to. How old? The, this won't. You can't. Like this has to be how old they are now when Charlton yeah. Heston was whatever age. Not how old is Charlton Heston? He's <laughs> dead. Look up dead actors. <laughs> <laughs> actors who died in two thousand. So just just to ex- ex- expound on that a little. Like it seems. It's very strange to have a movie series like this, which everyone knows what it's leading up to, and then in its specific canon, not actually show that world. And, you know, you're you're kneecapped by the fact that you can't reuse the twist, so there may be some recontextualizing that has to happen. Uh, but, But in broad strokes, the same story, I think. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if Wes Ball's uh, Planet of the Apes movie was just, revisiting the planet of the apes or whatever it's called yeah yeah whatever it would be called i don't think i will say this i don't think it should just be called planet of the apes i think you've got to give it you know return return, to the planet of the apes return to the planet of the apes yeah okay so here's let me throw some actors at you daniel gillies is the number one actor how how old are we talking i don't know 45 Uh, Um, what a shame it's not it's not a th- yeah. yeah. Imagine that. Imagine if we had every. He was uh, Sean Heston was thirteen. He was. 13. <laughs> <laughs> I find that very funny. <laughs> much, much in the same way though that like with every new actor we looked up, we were always risking it not landing on a three. Uh, like as we discovered that was happening uh a fourth planet of the apes reboot movie is also like <laughs> don't test your luck don't look yeah. up another actor <laughs> uh okay so uh toby Maguire pokes his head in again harold uh, uh, okay yeah so so 45 year old we're looking at right. um jason sudeikis toby Maguire is 45 jesus yeah. christ charlie day no, you know you're in the wrong genre of actor. We need to go. To- um, okay, what about uh, Sterling K. Brown? Yeah, cool. What a what a great yeah what a great pick. Um, I love Sterling K. Uh, Brown. Casey Affleck uh, continues the tradition. Is is Planet of the Apes as a whole the best franchise with the worst actors in it? <laughs> You've got Charlton Heston, James Franco. Um, oh, who I thought of someone else before. That was like cancelled, but maybe not. Oh, Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg's not cancelled, but he did. Yeah, he just blinded that blinded Vietnamese someone, guy. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> so, uh, Glenn Howerton. I mean, he would jump at it, wouldn't he? That that dude's been trying to get out of his box for yeah. ten years now. <laughs> I actually wait. If you thought um, Casey Affleck was bad, what about Danny Masterton? <laughs> <laughs> You're reading out these names. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, Russell Brand. I don't think he acts anymore. 
Yeah. Oh my god, I was wrong! It was Earth all along and I feel <laughs> terrible! <laughs> <laughs> um, but I have saved the our one actual good option the coup for de last. Yep. And that is Killian Murphy. Oh, of course it's Killian Murphy, isn't it? <laughs> of course it is. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's a, a legit do you agree? That's legit like yeah, that's, that's why I left it to last. <laughs> yeah. Um, should we check some uh, 44 and 46-year-old actors just in case? Oh, because actually I'll check 44-year-old actors just because, you know, that might have been the age Charlton Heston was when he filmed it. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> is it just me or is 45 much older than 44? <laughs> Do you know yeah. what I mean? I hear 45, I go, is Toby Maguire 45? I hear 44, I go, yeah, Ryan Reynolds is 44. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Benedict Cumberbatch, Orlando Bloom. Well, Benedict Cumberbatch, you obviously get to play one of the monkeys yeah, because yeah. he's got such an interesting face. <laughs> I John feel like Bernthal. I f- I feel like an interesting face is crucial to mocap mm. people. <laughs> um Danny McBride. <laughs> See, I think Danny McBride is one of those comedy actors that has a serious role in him. I don't mm. think it's this. I've heard his name thrown around for playing like Lobo in a live action Lobo movie. Mm. I think that's a really good casting, but I don't know if this is the one. Oh, he uh, was the in De- an alien movie, yeah. wasn't he? Uh, yeah. The Devil Wears Prada and Entourage's Adrian, Adrian Greenier. <laughs> I-, I wouldn't be shocked if he scored a role like this. Uh, and uh, the one legitimately all right um, casting would be kind of today's Charlton Heston, Michael Fassbender. Yeah, yeah, that I think that's actually better than Killian Murphy. because because not only is he a great actor he also famously stars in like terrible films or has has his last three or four films so this could be like a good get for him as like yeah because that would also bring up the prestige because as we said these movies battle with trying to get get you to take chimpanzees seriously yeah and this is like yeah yeah a way to do that is put michael fassbender in them michael fassbender is today's charlton heston hopefully he won't be tomorrow's charlton heston (laughs) judging by the way charlton heston went but um yeah. yeah. I think that's a good yeah. that's a good that's a good suggestion. So my continuity franchises, I came up with a title, but I couldn't figure out how to make it work. Or like it, it kind of betrays where we've come so far. It would have been a great title for the sixth original one. <laughs> okay. So like one that doesn't exist is what you're saying. Yeah. Um Fall of the Planet of the Apes. Like yeah, that feels yeah. like that that need that needs to be what we'd see. But then if the fourth film in this franchise was fall of the planet of the apps i'd be like that's a bummer yeah after rise you never um, want to yeah. fall after you've already risen yeah yeah head rush <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, but so so what i did instead was because i was like I, I thought we could kind of spitball how that could actually work uh you know how, how we could kind of achieve that that point or that like a title that suits that without necessarily being the end of the Okay. Planet of the Apps as we not. Um, but so then I just kind of came up with like a bunch of other ones. Some some I'm actually like, oh, this is a cool one. Some are just real stupid. So Across the Planet of the Apes is one of them. Fall of the Planet of the Apes, Death of the Planet of the Apes, uh, Return from the Planet of the Apes, and then King of the Planet of the Apes. Funnily enough, I wasn't actually thinking of Return of the King when I wrote those two next to each other. I was trying to think of like, well, what's something you do to honor Caesar's legacy? So I thought about like King of the Planet of the Apes or Martyr of the Planet of the Apes. Um, searching for the Planet of the Apes. Um, 
Once Upon a Time on the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> um, back to the Planet of the Apes. Oh, we're um, in this zone now, yes. Yeah. Uh, and then, Planet uh, of the Apes in space. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's a planet. I mean, it is in space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you collapse of the Planet of the Apes, Triumph of the Planet of the Apes, uh, and Legacy of the Planet of the Apes. I dr- Can I share with you a dream of mine? Yeah, is it the one you, the Zack Snyder one you told me? No, <laughs> I'm not going to tell anyone about that dream. I had a sex dream about Zack Snyder. <laughs> no. um, you have to say that because it's better than what actually happened. It's <laughs> less embarrassing. <laughs> I would, I, and I got inspired this by the Batman uh, PS3 to five games or PS3 the Arkham to four games. games, the Arkham games. Um, I really like the idea of doing um two films and then doing a prequel right and for those who aren't aware the batman games are batman arkham asylum so it's said arkham asylum you're like well whatever it's our it's our boilerplate title then it's mm. batman arkham city and it's like well arkham city's not a thing i don't know what you're talking about but it's upping the stakes right yeah. and then the third one had the trouble of being like it's not it's got nothing to do with arkham but we want you know it's got to be clear that it's in the same series mm. and they called it uh, Batman Arkham Origins and I thought that's cool it's the origins mm. of the Arkham story right and so I thought that was really nice and then the the fourth one is called Arkham Knight uh, and I think it should have been called Batman Arkham Legacy because a legacy is the opposite of Origins. I want to make a series mm. where there's one called Whatever Origins and one called Whatever Legacy and because they're the opposite of each other. And the know? first film is just called Whatever. Yeah. Whatever, whatever extreme, whatever origins, whatever legacy. <laughs> Just whatever legacy is left over. What about um the United States of the Planet of the Apes? <laughs> yeah. I, I did actually come across, uh, like, think of Journey to the Center of the 20,000 Leagues under the Planet of the Apes. Um, Voyage of the Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. That was the classic one. <laughs> that was the, everyone made that joke back in the day. Nice. When Dawn came out. Mm-hmm. Is that it? Yeah, that's all mine. Sick. Um, so now it's time to rank that franchise. So on our letterbox, we've got a list of every film franchise we have covered. And we accounted this as a separate one because I don't know what you fucking want. I, I've worked it out. Here's what here's where people's problems are. So for those who are, who are new to this, we ranked all the franchises a while ago and stirred up a lot of upset when we ranked things that were like part of at same larger franchises, different franchises. The one that that really hit close to home was we ranked Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit separately, but then also considered The Hobbit's legacy in how we ranked Lord of the Rings. I think the problem is not when we rank two iterations of the same franchise, it's when they share the same canon. I think that's mm. the problem. So when we re-rank, we should, for example, delete The Hobbit, Whereas this, because it's a new canon, I think can exist as a separate mm. franchise. Well, I think the, the thing is that we're never going to make people happy. Um, but I disagree. Yeah. I think I can do it. <laughs> okay. So um, one thing that I, I was interested by today, which um, is... So I, I put, like, we've also got a list, um, which is every single film we've covered on Film Franchise Fortnite. And it's approaching 600, which is quite a significant milestone. But ranking them by 
like the the letterboxed the average rating so that, that's essentially just a measure of how good the film is but like public by the public mm-hmm. um that six franchises have all of their films appear in the top 100 films we've ever watched Wow. Those six franchises are Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is the highest. All three films are in the top ten. Um, Kill Bill. <laughs> sure. um, Toy Story, although the fourth one is in the, in the top 100, but we didn't cover it on this podcast. Right. So that Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I, I don't know if Toy Story 4 would fall in the top 100 because we it's not on the list. Anyway, um, Back to the Future, Three Colors Trilogy, and the Apes Reboot Trilogy. Yeah. There you go. I mean, you've you've listed probably the best franchises we've covered there, right? Like, mm. how many of those are like are reflected in how we've ranked them? You know. Yeah, and so I because um I do yeah want to talk about yeah, yeah I think this will this will be an interesting like where does this go <laughs> kind okay, of thing. Okay, so so I I'm not it's not in front of me. You've got it in front of you. Uh the so at at number 1 we've got Toy Story, the Toy Story series. That mm-hmm. does now retrospectively include 4, I think we agreed when we ranked it. <laughs> I think even if it didn't or if it did it should still deserves that place. Mm. Um I I actually 4 4 I think 4 is great and I think it deserves to be there. I know you have your reservations. Um, the next number two is Godfather, right? Yeah. And what's number three? Uh, the Twakalur. Right. And four is uh, Back to the Future or Mission Impossible. Uh, four is Back to the Future. Yeah. And then five is Mission Impossible. This yeah. Sorry, tedious. I'm just. I could just be looking at it myself. Okay. So what I think we've got to consider for ranking the reboot trilogy is it's now a case of like how good is the best movie in these franchises because I would be hard pressed to say that the Godfather trilogy, despite having one, not as good out of three films is Mm. worse than the reboot trilogy. Like I think the reboot trilogy of planet of the apes probably doesn't reach the same heights consistently as the Godfather trilogy, despite having one, dead limb on it <laughs> so to speak uh, uh, my my thoughts mm-hmm. um honestly this is in terms of what a trilogy should be yeah. and the quality consistency across films this is the best trilogy we've ever watched two if you said this is the best franchise we've ever watched i wouldn't be like no it isn't yeah yeah no i know what you mean i think Fuck, this feels... I'm shaking with how (laughs) climactic this feels. I'll say this. I don't think you're going to talk me out of Toy Story in the top spot, at least personally. At least not today. Yeah. I think my connection to Toy Story is considerably stronger than my connection to Planet Mm. of the Apes. I think we maybe will receive a lot of flack if we put it above uh, Godfather, but I also agree that this is the best trilogy we've watched. I think it's second, Richard. I mm. think I think we have to place the second. The only anchor on it is the same as that the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit has, is that it it does have like maybe arguably it has other decades films you worth should, of you should consider. Of, yeah. uh, but it also maybe doesn't. And also all of those films aren't bad by any stretch. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, we put um the original Planet of the Apps thirteenth. Well, well, thirteenth. Now that this is above it, we put it twelfth. 
Yeah, I mean, like, like, because also it's funny that like we haven't been like, like I feel like people came out, people uh, listened to our Death Note episode, were like, "Fuck, I need to watch Death Note." You guys really liked this, whereas like I feel like we haven't been as like over the top crazy of this, but it's like these films are just so fucking consistent and yeah. all of such a high quality. I gave these all five stars on 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 Letterboxd. I, um, and, and I it's wanted like, to. <laughs> yeah, 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 which is the same thing. But I mean, I know I give away five stars a lot, but you'd be hard-pressed to find another franchise, which I would... I mean, Toy Story and probably Back to the Future or Three Colors, I mm. might have given those all five stars, but yeah, this is... An incredible franchise. And I think here okay. I say we rank it second. And with yeah, this yeah. with this proviso, right? I think Godfather One and Godfather Two are better films than any of the Planet of the Apes reboot trilogy movies. Mm. But this is a better franchise. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and, and like there's there's things about um because because the let's let's like we we really need to get into the rank i feel like like you and i are in agreement we're just having to justify it to the audience um so we talk we talk about like cultural significance and general consensus is also factored in our personal guilty pleasures can't boost a rotten franchise to the top that's this isn't a case of that but it's like that's um i'm more saying that that's doing a lot of heavy lifting with the god for the godfather three that it's like you have got one of, if not the greatest films of all time, and one of, if not the greatest sequels of all time, and then a film that's not as bad as history claims it is. Ah, let's put it up there, kind of thing. Whereas this is like these films are fucking incredible, all three of them. Yeah, yeah, and I'm more viscerally excited about these films, mm. and even the fact that they have an uphill battle to climb, and I mean they succeeded. You know, like that yeah. is part of what makes it so incredible yeah well it's one of those things i want people to look at our franchise list and be like really i, I didn't see the second two and it's like no 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 like watch them <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 cool i'm happy i'm i'm at peace cool. we're putting a second how good is steve zan's uh performance as a as a primate like mm. the way he the way he blends talking with ooh ooh Ooh, and all of a sudden he's a mm. he's a chimp again, you know. Yeah. All right, so that only leaves one segment to do. Do you want to talk about? Do I want to explain this fucking monolith of a segment? Really all right. So I'm usually, gonna, I've it's been the I've been revisiting the planet of the grapes tonight, mm. and um, I'm now just pouring out the last of an entire bottle of wine, which I've the drunk. The last of the summer as this, wine. As this podcast has gone on. All right. So. Because I know what's coming. <laughs> usually at this point in the show, we go, all right, it's time to select out what, what franchise we're going to cover in a fortnight's time. But it is that time of year again. It's time for film franchise Fortnite's Redux, which initially started about uh, three years ago as, as the concept was three years or two years ago. This is the third year we've done it. so it started as being being basically like hey our first year when we were still figuring out how to do this podcast some of the franchises we covered then probably suffered then because we hadn't refined it to the the science we've refined it to now 
Uh, and so let's redo them. And this year, we opened that up to season two. We said the first two years, our patrons, if you donate $1 or more on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Cole you can vote on, well, you can't anymore, but you could vote on which franchise from the first two years you want us to redo. Mm. Uh, and we and had the, how, four, how did we, yeah, how did we, we had that? four rounds. So we basically, we randomly Should we go through what those four rounds were to build even more suspense? Okay. So the yeah, so we randomly generated groups of franchises, nine to ten franchises each group, and then those were voted on. The winner of each group went to a final poll. So the first group was Jurassic Park, Nymphomaniac, Back to the Future, Dumb and Dumber, Shanghai Noon, Shanghai Nights, Lilo and Stitch, Ace Ventura, One Hundred One Dalmatians, and Spider Man. Now, Jurassic Park took that out. Jurassic Park won, leaving the Back to the Future Redux community in shambles. Uh, the, the, yeah. the, maybe- the entire reason we did a, a, re, a Redux was because we assumed you guys would want a better Back to the Future episode. <laughs> uh, and Back to the Future, year to year, has been the dark horse of the redux mm. of redux culture <laughs> I make, yeah. i'm making it sound like this is much bigger than it is like these yeah. communities and this culture yep so jurassic park advanced to the next round next up we had transformers spongebob red curtain which is a franchise shrek twilight <laughs> boondock saints freddy versus jason which we would be covering for the second time well third time sorry um bad moms x-men and jungle book and that was won by x-men X Men, a, a grassroots campaign to get X Men. Yeah, the top a, the, well. the the kind of the thoughts behind X Men is that we've had a few films. Well, we have actually covered them for their film franchise mm. follow ups on the Patreon, but um, but yeah, this you know people thought this would be yeah. now now that's out of the out of Fox's hands. Yeah, uh, it might be good. Now's to a do good that. time to cover it. Uh, uh, so Richard, those were both two sets of very very crazy, very good franchises that I'm sure people would love to hear us do again. It possibly can't possibly can't possibly get better than those two rounds. Read me what round three consisted of. So round three was Medea, the Land Before Time. Dungeons and Dragons, Ghostbusters, Lady and the Tramp, The Evil Dead, The Mummy, Beethoven, and Godzilla. Which is, now that I've phrased it the way I did, I want to rephrase it and say, none of those are better than the franchises we just discussed, but I think they'd make better episodes. And people, these are these are like our yeah. classics that we assumed this would be the bloodbath round. Um, yeah, well, because it's interesting because there was, there was already talk of The Mummy um, on, for Mummy, that people mm-hmm. wanted us to do the Brendan Fraser films. Uh, but then, yeah, Beethoven is like a classic episode. It'll be fun to revisit that. Godzilla is one of those, like, similar to Freddy vs. Jason. Mm-hmm. But by then, that was kind of one of the first episodes we did where we went film by film rather than just saying, yeah, yeah. these are all the films, let's have a general discussion. Um, Ghostbusters is a classic. That's probably the first good episode of the podcast, I would yeah. say. <laughs> the Land Before Time and Medea and Dungeons and Dragons are all ones that, like, if I was a fan of a podcast where they watch and like the part of the appeal is they sometimes have to watch terrible films you know you vote for those ones to put them through that torture again and listeners i never want to see medea again in the for the rest of my life my god Mm, i i Um, feel that way about the mummy (laughs) so we threw a caveat two caveats into this 
um, this poll, though, was that the Godzilla films would now be split up differently. They'd be over multiple weeks, and we'd also fold King Kong into one of those weeks. It was something, it was going to be something like, was it seven weeks of film franchise? Yeah, six or seven weeks. Six or seven weeks of film franchise Fortnite, which would cover the the Godzilla eras as we did them the first time, but also involve uh, King Kong and then the new era, which was the legendary MonsterVerse. Which we've only ever covered on. Um, we actually haven't. Oh, have we covered that on Patreon? We haven't. Covered uh, we covered that. Godzilla twenty fourteen. We did King of the Monsters on Patreon. Yeah. We haven't discussed Kong Skull Island. Although there is an episode <laughs> devoted entirely to it. I am not on it. I have not listened to it. Um, <laughs> okay, but maybe but, I will now because I've actually seen Kong Skull Island. And we also uh, said that the first. So when we say the Mummy, what we're actually referring to is the six Universal Mummy movies from like the thirties to the fifties. I think mm. was that that original run, run made by Universal. But we said if this wins, we will do not only the Universal Mummy movies, but the following week we will do the Hammer Mummy movies, which you've never heard of, I've never heard of. No one knows what the Hammer Mummy what, movies are. The, the Hammer Mummy movies are the ones with um, Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing. I did not know that. There you go. Uh, and then we'll, of course, also do the Brendan Fraser mummy movies and we'll tack on the Tom Cruise mummy movies, mummy movie onto that. And then yeah. we'll do. He the- wishes there was more than one. <laughs> and then we'll do the Scorpion King spin off, which is the spin off to The Mummy Returns. So this was going, this is going to be uh, four weeks of mummy. Four fran- episodes, yeah. Four episodes of film franchise Fortnite's focused on all the different iterations of the mummy and which franchise won this bloodbath of a poll uh this poll was won by the mummy so the mummy advanced to the next round all right and the last round richard we've been building up we've we've we're it's unstoppable that this nothing stops this train tell me the immaculate the 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 enticing franchises the, the the likes of which the thought of doing a redux would be intoxicating to our listeners tell me what round four consisted of kill bill monsters inc divergent lethal weapon teenage mutant ninja turtles daddy's home the raid happy feet and sisterhood of the traveling pants fun fact six of those 10 are two film franchises this was the one that after after the the franchise the the list that the mummy won and that was like fuck like you know there was there was like a lot of weight behind godzilla a lot of weight behind the mummy um this one came out people were like well this is the duds isn't it People are like, well, is, I don't care. <laughs> this is, quite frankly, the worst poll I've ever seen. And I mean in terms of every poll I've ever seen, ever. I've never been and, less, less like, mm, And that includes P-O-L-E to- polls and people from Poland. <laughs> this includes, like, who I voted for in the last election. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is the worst poll I've ever seen. Uh, and and through sheer um, memory and uh, tomfoolery, what won this poll? sisterhood of the traveling pants which is hilarious because round five consisted of the 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 like watershed franchises of jurassic park x-men the mummy and sisterhood of the traveling pants a franchise i probably didn't think about for all of last year like yeah like i, Although, I, uh, I went a full year without thinking about this franchise uh to be fair and this is a mm. i shared this on the discord but this is a very fun piece of behind the scenes 
scenes trivia is that anytime either of us and this is our our twitter dms are entirely this message <laughs> which has been seen and not replied to um, by several potential guests <laughs> <laughs> explaining the concept of the podcast and we always say we've covered uh from the mammoth 31 film godzilla franchise to the two Sisterhood of the Travelling Pants films. Those are always the two examples we use without fail. Even when I'm just telling people my personal life, it's so ingrained in me yeah, yeah. to use those two as, as examples. Is it because on a philosophical level, every franchise fits somewhere between those two on a spectrum? Whatever that spectrum is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. But I think it's also that we, we did those around the same time. And that would have been, tell you what, that would have been the, kind, the message that we sent to... Gus Johnson to get in all on um, Jurassic Park because we will have just done both of those. Did we? I feel like we hadn't done Dress, uh, Godzilla by that point. <sighs> like, let me have a look one second. We might. Um, uh, yeah, Jurassic Park predates Godzilla by about four months. Ah, so we wouldn't have sent that message to Gus Johnson then. You're right. <laughs> uh, anyway. These these polls went head to head. There there was basically I thought it was going to come down to the Mummy and X Men, but then uh, something amazing happened. A rise of the planet of the pants happened. I think more born out of um, people not wanting the other franchises to win. Like it was a I don't need X Men to to win. I just need the Mummy to lose kind of situation yeah. where th- a a massive. Uh, almost Bernie Sanders-esque uh, <laughs> movement of uh, people who, I don't, a lot of people are throwing their hat in the ring for Sister of the Travelling Pants. I don't think it's because they want another episode. I think they're gutted with how the polls turned out and want, to, <laughs> want, want a little drop of chaos in their poll. And I can I can understand why it's- oh, That's why, fucking, that's what I wanted. <laughs> I can understand why it's very funny that, um, to an outsider, that poll must look like it drops off the deep end very hard from going mm. from those three franchises and then to Sisterhood of the Travelling Pants. But Richard, tell me the percentage of the winner and then tell me what the winner is. Okay, so it's worth pointing out as well that the the final poll, you could only vote for one. So it very much was a case of like you have to you know stand your ground on the one. So uh, with 45% of the, of the final vote, the mummy is going to be well, second place was Sister of the Traveling Pants. <laughs> what a great result for Sister of the Traveling Pants! Because I tell you what, it's never getting that far in Redux again, is it? Like, there's no what? way. What next year? I don't know. <laughs> but uh, maybe, but only because of this poll. <laughs> if this yeah, poll what, what do you want to talk about? Like, like what what happened in the Discord this week? Uh, there was just a, ma- a massive movement for Sister of the Traveling Pants. What and uh, yeah, we had a um. Uh, like like everyone on the Discord's names have been changed to <laughs> have to, pants to, in their names somewhere to have pants in their names. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And now I'm going to go and remove any trace of the word pants from any of the messages as a clue as to what the result. I mean, people can still see the result. <laughs> yeah, people know what happened. <laughs> uh so. That means that not next week. Next week we're doing a the return of the self-indulgent film franchise Fortnite's trivia quiz. Yeah, fuck yeah. Um, so stay tuned for that. And feel free to jump on the Discord and submit some questions for our quiz. It'll be a lot of fun, silly mm. time. I might get a, a little bit tipsy for it. I might get on the Planet of the Grapes myself for that episode. Mm. 
uh, and we're going to do another quiz. That'll be next week. But the week after will be the redux of the Universal Mummy films, which is six yeah. films. Then the may, I th- are we doing it week to week, or do you? Do we uh, we'll have to play it by ear. <laughs> it may be fortnight to fortnight, which will be insane because that's eight weeks of one franchise. Uh, well, but- hey, that's what the fans wanted. Apparently, <laughs> you're so salty. It's great. I am. I'm so I'm so undeniably like not stoked. <laughs> I will say this because it didn't win. Why the fuck do people want us to do X Men? I never <laughs> want to talk about the X Men films again. It's I done. never want to. I never want to talk about the Mummy. I'm. Oh God. I like. Like. I. I just know. Like the idea of you. You sent a picture um, recently. Um, that, I think it was a Facebook memory that popped up um, where you had a, a. You're holding a Blu-ray of the Scorpion King four. Yeah. And I was like, that looks terrible. I was like, I'm going to have to fucking watch that soon. <laughs> and it was like, there's this moment of like, what have I, what am I doing with my life? Well, we've like, had God. that before on the, we've had that recently on the podcast, watching fucking most vertical primate. Like they're going to probably all be better than that film. I would rather watch every Barbie movie again than watch a single mummy movie. Wow, you are being ridiculous, and I want you to bottle this energy and bring that to the episode. <laughs> Please. Very exciting stuff. Like, this is going to ruin my life for a month. Very exciting stuff on the, the horizon of film franchise Fortnite's. Richard, the, at the very least, you're going to passively enjoy the Brendan Fraser Mummy movies, and even the original That's Scorpion the thing. King I movie. don't even... I, I've seen the original, the, the Brendan Fraser movie once. I watched it during lockdown i think i watched last year sometime it's fine <laughs> we're, we're we're getting ahead of ourselves look everybody thank you very much for listening i'm gonna to hate this. every single one of these films <laughs> just to spite you excellent i think that's good podcasting <laughs> <laughs> um uh so stay tuned for the quiz next week and if you enjoyed this episode then please consider liking us on all the pages should have done this much earlier in the episode because i think we're well into uh only diehard listener territory now but if this is your first <laughs> Gold podcast please, <laughs> please consider following us or subscribing to us on all the different places we're on twitter instagram youtube uh, i nearly said soundcloud throwback uh we're on acast now actually uh we're all there's two youtube channels cold popsha and cold popsha again uh, and we're also on Discord. You can find a link to the Discord in the show notes as well as a link to the Patreon, patreon.com slash And stay tuned as well, actually, because we still need to do our post credit scene after mm-hmm. this music ends uh, where you can tune in and we'll explain what that is in just a moment. But as they say on the Planet of the Apes, Richard, a river Technically, they do say a river dirty on the planet of the apes because it's our planet, and they say a river dirty on Earth. Mm. Probably just leave it on my, uh, 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 my <laughs> joke. <laughs>
Do you want to explain where, where this okay, comes so from? Okay, so for the MVP movie and our continue the franchise, we just started pitching, changing the middle initial for different sequels. Uh, and I was like, oh, I need to remember to uh, note, you know, write notes for this post-credit scene. Mm. I didn't. What a terrible post-credit scene to come at the end of a very What a terrible outro. post-credits, Dan. <laughs> no, not at all. Just to come at the end of an episode which had 20 minutes of admin. Yeah, and <laughs> I'm All right. drunk. I'm quick, fucking wasted. Quick All fire right. round. Give me I'll oh, give me a letter, I'll give you a letter. Okay. Uh F. MFP? Yeah. Uh most famous primate. Nice. M uh your, your turn. Uh M E P? That's that is no. not what comes What's after the order? The alphabet? <laughs> G. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Googling <laughs> the alphabet. <laughs> All right, I've got it in front of me. MGP. Um most grand primate. It okay. becomes a royal. Okay. Uh, e- oh, it's your turn. Uh, H. MHP. MHP. Most hairy primate. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. MIP. MIP. <laughs> Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. <laughs> okay. It's your turn. Uh, J. MJP. Michael Jackson's primate. It's about <laughs> Bubbles was the name. Oh, but yeah, yeah, fuck yeah. And <laughs> Tiger's M- making like a stop motion film about him. It's inexplicably called MJP. <laughs> 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 All right, Richard. MKP. Uh, most um, kills for primate. <laughs> for primate. <laughs> All right. Your turn. L. MLP, Martin Luther Primate. Right, it's a... MMP. Wait, we already did so, this one. okay, in um, <laughs> <No>! New Zealand, <laughs> the way we elect our government. <laughs> it's called MMP. All right, MNP, uh, most notorious primate. <laughs> <laughs> MOP, MOP. It's, um, it's just joy, that movie with... Um, by David O. Russell with Jennifer Lawrence. But, but okay. they named it after the product, not the person. All right. MPP, uh, most primate primate. That's right, everybody. We're going to find out what is the most primate of all the primates. <laughs> um, MQP, mm-hmm. uh, most qualifying primate. Nice. MRP, most rambunctious primate. Mm-hmm. Uh, MSP, most saucy. Primate. <laughs> oh, MTP, most tantalizing, most titillating. I feel like Jeff Goldblum. Ooh, most titillating primate. <laughs> most, mm, most, the <laughs> <laughs> most the police. Most the police. MUP, most underwhelming. Primate. <laughs> MVP, most voluptuous primate. It's not going anywhere better from this. MVP is already the name of the franchise. <laughs> <laughs> oh my 
my god. <laughs> I'm in like the depths, the bowels of cognitive dissonance right now <laughs> that I could not even remember that MVP is the actual one. Like the fact that saying MVP didn't like trigger alarm uh, bells. In, in incredible. Here. What an incredible thing to happen to me. I. Uh, <laughs> MWP, most walking primate. Okay, now MXP is already one. <laughs> there we go, I was waiting for that. So it's MYP, most YOLO primate. I'm just going to make that YOLO. Most zebra primate. <laughs> fuck, fuck you, ideas. It's most zebra primate. <laughs> well, I hope that was, you said that that was a real highlight for you, Dan. I hope this continued to be a real highlight for you. I pray your day is, is bright. It's highlighted <laughs> completely. All right, everybody. <laughs>